the pounding begins. The wagons are circled. Every wind is raided. It's football time in America, and this republic has never been stronger. The Sportsocracy, Beer City's best sports talk, live from the Ingalls studio. It is ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, 1400, and the Sportsocracy is heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. We're seen everywhere on YouTube. Go to thesportocracy.com, click the live video link, subscribe to the channel, join us in the chat. It is a threadbare Thursday. Of course, we've got all of the Super Bowl storylines to get into for what feels like the 18th day of Super Bowl coverage. We do this every year of just, okay, can we just (laughs) play the game, please? (laughs) Can we get there? Can we get this over with so we can start the draft season? Oh, we've already started the draft this season. Well, I mean, true. Your mock draft. Senior Bowl mock draft, it's out. Mm-hmm. It's out. Things are happening. There's a trade in the top three. Got a quarterback going to a place that you probably didn't expect. Find that on the YouTube channel. You'll also be able to see it on all the social medias. Just ad nauseum over the next few days. You're going to see a whole mess in my face. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, we will get into the defenses today of the Super Bowl, focusing in on the Chiefs, the 49ers, where do they have the advantages on the defensive side of the ball? Um, We will talk to Jones Angel, voice of the North Carolina Tar Heels, coming up at 1 o'clock this afternoon. Talk about the big win over Duke this past weekend, and then the, the letdown loss to the Clemson Tigers on Tuesday night, but hoping to, uh, Tar Heels hoping to bounce back, stay atop the ACC. We'll also talk best Super Bowls ever in the Daily Draft today. So all of that coming your way, as well as uh, Nick Saban joining the College Game Day crew. Uh, yeah, he's got a he's got a new job, and that's that's a thing. If anybody thought that you were going to be able to to just move on with your college football life without Nick Saban anymore, you were sadly mistaken. That's going to be enough for me, dog. What, you're you not, had to know Nick Saban. Watch? I didn't, no, I'll oh. totally watch it. You just had to know that Nick Saban wasn't just going to go quietly into that good night. No, no. he's He's got a lot to impart, and frankly, I've seen him in these roles before. He's actually not he's bad. pretty good at it. Yeah, he's not bad. He's very personable when he's on the screen, and we'll talk about that coming up later on in the program. Um, welcome, everybody, into the uh, YouTube stream and, of course, here on ESPN Asheville. 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400 Kansas City Chiefs, San Francisco 49ers. Super Bowl's right around the corner. First practices were yesterday. The only notable absences from the practices were uh, offensive linemen. Yeah, Joe um, Thune's not going to play. Uh, at least it doesn't look like he's going to play. Joe Thune is listed or, or is said by Andy Reid to be a long shot to play this Sunday. Which and then, means he's going to come out Willis Reid style. And then Trent Williams was out of practice yesterday for San Francisco. That was basically just a rest day. He is not expected to be in any danger of missing the game. Oh, we have our first Super Chat of the day, too, by the way. It's a great way to get in on a Threadbare Thursday, especially when you do what our buddies at the Ocho did. Yeah! Thanks, Jeremy, called before everyone. 
Amon Ross, St. Brown, Mac Jones, all the tight ends, and of course, Creed being mainstream again. Oh, God. Listen to Flostradamus. Let's go! <laughs> Creed. Creed may be the hottest band in the country, and they haven't even put out a song. I don't know why. I do. I, I tell you exactly why. It's not that hard to figure out, because there's a lot of people like me that are looking around at the music industry going, hey, this sucks. I mean, Drake's super popular. I think I accidentally saw the best thing about him online last night. Uh huh. Please put that away. You're making the rest of us feel bad about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I understand why you're such a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I would be too. Got all that confidence. I would be too. <laughs> you're gonna hurt somebody with that. Uh, I yeah, do somebody, love all the- somebody called here the other day in the middle of a commercial break asking for Creed. Did, yeah, you, you know play why? Creed? You know why? Because they no. know that the Creed visionary is in this studio and he will make it happen. We're making Creed a thing again. No. No, we're not. And you take just because they, they had a, a funny spot in a Paramount Plus commercial. Have you seen the, uh, the, the airplay charts? No. It's happened. That's gross. It, it's happened. It's Creed so has officially become a retro uh, in vogue act again. And it's right before Creed Fest. Of Let's all go. the bands you could have chosen, Creed is the one. Well, I mean, I Come think. On, America. I, well, I mean, here's the thing. I think I have shown over the last few years that I have a, I have a particular set of skills. The next one, Crash Test Dummies. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Those dudes don't have a whole lot to do because they're all working at a Tim Hortons right now. <laughs> Giving out uh-huh. blueberry jellies. Were they they were Canadian? Yeah. Oh, I didn't didn't know that. Oddly enough, I had a real uh, affinity for a lot of Canadian bands. Really? Uh yeah, they had Crash Test Dummies. Loverboy. Uh mm-hmm. I didn't hate Nickelback. I do now, but I didn't at the time. Brian Adams. Let's go. And and before you judge me. You used it. Every single one of you made a mixtape for a girl that you were, you know, you were hoping didn't have a, you know, every, Drake's every, ability to just I leak. Do, I do it for you. <laughs> totally. The song totally. We didn't all have the ability to leak a video of ourselves like Drake. Oh, news to you that he was the one that put that out? Really? I don't, I don't know. I don't, because I, I feel like if it was him, it did come out a long time ago. Uh, wouldn't you share that news long, yeah, long ago? Got, like, as it. soon as I did the Sprite commercial for the All-Star game, like, seven years ago, that was the first time I ever knew uh, who Drake was, I'd have been like, yep, I'm sharing that video. But you got to be careful. Got to be careful. Yeah. Got to make sure people don't think it was you. Get real popular, and then you bring it out. All right, we got another... Don't go the Ray J way, which is the most famous thing about me, is that I was sleeping with Kim Kardashian. We got another super chat. Yeah! Stone Sports Podcast says he was invited to a Creed concert this week, and his first thought was uh, Jeremy single-handedly brought Creed back. You're welcome. You're welcome. Me and Scott Stapp, we're here for you, America. So awful. Stap Green 2024. <laughs> Jeremy and the Texas Rangers. I, oh, no doubt. And and Patrick Stewart, apparently. They're Patrick the only, Stewart. The only ones that can make uh, Creed relevant once again. Hey, here's the thing. Me and Scott Stapp running for president and our uh, our campaign song, Can You Take Me Higher? Let's That's go. already the best Super Bowl commercial out there, by the way. Yes. If you haven't seen it, there's a Paramount Plus commercial that you'll see at the Super Bowl where Patrick Stewart throws Hey Arnold like a football, and it is 
Hilarious. <laughs> and as the he more throws, hilarious And as thing? he throws it, it's Creed on the mountainside on the cliff face singing, Can You Take Me Higher? Uh, the most hilarious part is that Tua Tungvaloa is also in that commercial, and he won't throw him. And what he doesn't say is, I can't throw in the cold. Because <laughs> they're trapped in the snow. Yeah, I'm not doing He's that. like, did you not see that playoff game? I can't throw it. It's this cold out here. If we're trapped on a desert island, then we can talk. I played that kid across the mountaintop. All right, Super Bowl Sunday, defense is on display. We know it means nothing, but for, for, for what it might be worth to somebody, the official CBS Madden simulation oh, thinks that this could be a 16-7 to 7 ball game, I think is what it had. And, is I mean, there's a chance that this could be a defensive battle like that. I, I don't see it. It's a chance. Well, Vegas obviously thinks it's going to be lower scoring than a lot of us do because of how low the over-under is. Now, you look at that number, you see 47.5, and, and you just go, because that feels like the halftime score. Mm-hmm. But, it's, I mean, look, both of these defenses are good. They are. I know that's weird to say about Kansas City because it hasn't – they haven't had a a stalwart defense like that through this entire run. This is the best they've been, and it's not close. Absolutely. Uh, 13.7 points per game. The Kansas City Chiefs have given up that much through the run so far. Since 2000, there have only been three other teams to make it to a Super Bowl that have been better points per game-wise than that. And you can probably guess... Baltimore Ravens. Yep, that's one. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yep. Seattle Sea Chickens. Bingo. Let's go. Those three all-name defenses... Those are the only ones that have been better in a playoff run to the Super Bowl than the Kansas City Chiefs have been this year. Does that mean that this is one of the greatest defenses ever? No, but I would say their it, numbers it, they have a they have an argument for being the most underrated defense ever. I could get down with that. They have an argument for most underrated because nobody ever talks about it. We talk about how improved the defense is, but it's almost like you put them in this bubble of. They're good, and it's like you pat him on the head, like, mm-hmm. "Oh, he's cute." Did you play defense? Better no, than- they're good and can win games for them. I would argue they won a game for them against the Baltimore Ravens. You could make that argument, but the offense is always going to get the, the the props. You have the stars. You have the offensive minded coach. They're always going to get the, the 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 thumbs up here. And the defense has always been the also ran. It's always been the other thing. Oh, yeah, well, but you think back to the to the playoff runs that they've had in the last few years. The first Super Bowl run that they had, it was, God, these linebackers are terrible. And then they drafted Nick Bolton, and you went, oh, well, they're getting a little better, but they're still a liability. They lost pieces, and somehow they were able to find great draft picks. Well, that's what good franchises do. They're the youngest defense in the NFL. And that's also a reason why they don't get the credit that they deserve because they haven't been around. Somebody that you haven't watched, seen them do it. Uh, somebody that watched the uh, first-round mock draft mm-hmm. pointed out, uh, am I the only one that realizes that Kansas City's defense is just littered with guys that Jeremy was really fond of? Well, that was kind of lost on me until you said it that way. <laughs> and then I looked and went, 
Damn, you're right. There's it a does look like a defense that I would have built. There's a Nick Bolton. There's a Trent McDuffie. Joshua Williams. Get out of Fayetteville yep. State that I was just in love with. Yep. yep. I think that dude was one more YouTube video away from filing a restraining order on George Karloftis was another one that you really, really liked. Leo Chanel. Mm-hmm. I, I, was getting, I was getting there. Brian Cook was another one. Obviously, he's not with him because of the injury right now, but... He's another one that hey, think about how good this defense would be if he hadn't got hurt. Yes. That's the scary part or should be the scary part for everybody else going forward into the future is that this this defense is so young, they're not going anywhere. Well, I, I mean, I feel like Kansas City is proof positive of what it is that we say year after year after year. If I had a dollar for every time somebody has come to us and said, why do you fixate so much on the draft? Well, there's two reasons for that. One... I'm the ESPN draft nerd and uh, tank loves having three months of content where he can just spin me up like a matchbox car and go, I showed up and put pants on today. Isn't that cool? And that's not diminishing his contributions. Cause if you watch the mock draft, you will realize that me talking for an hour and 11 minutes, I start to sound very Alex Jones. Uh, the birds are trying to kill us <laughs> ah! by the end of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jeremy, Jeremy left to his own devices could be bad. Oh, yeah. Me, good Lord. If you ever disappear, me doing a show by myself, whoo, buddy. <laughs> you talk about ADHD radio. That's exactly what it will be. Hitting home runs in the draft is very, very important. And well, this, is, I mean, just, this is how you make a championship team even better. Well, it's it's not even that. that what you just said is true. Mm-hmm. That's not really what I was referencing, though. Just look at... At what you have going into this game. All right, so you mentioned Brian Cook. And I'm just looking at the Charles Amenahu, Derek Naughty. Look at all the players that Kansas City's either not going to have because they haven't had them for an extended period of time, or they're questionable, or they're not 100%. Or having depth like this is the most important thing. And I'm talking about it's more important than your quarterback. It's more important than your coach. Because you look at how many teams were just an injury away. And it is really starting to matriculate through my brain that that's what, that, that's the staying power that new England had. That's the staying power that Kansas city has. And I'm looking at a hurt defense. This defense is hurt. It's not where it was six weeks ago. It's not where it was 12 weeks ago. And yet it keeps getting better. How does that happen? How do you lose the, the, these first team guys? you get better oh because you draft really well you draft really well and you stack up all these guys that you know injuries are going to happen pat is locked in he's, he's locked in if anything happens to pat you're done anyway just think back to that new england season where brady got hurt oh yeah that you know, matt castle was really good and got himself 11 jillion dollars oddly yeah. enough from these kansas city chiefs were they a threat to anything nope nope because you had other teams that did have premier quarterbacks. Everybody worries about these, these, and I'm not going to say it's things that don't matter, but the things that win you Super Bowls are, do you have the ability to adjust on the fly? Do you have the ability to deal with Chris Jones? Week one, he's not even in the building. It's weird. He showed up. Didn't even miss a beat. Mm-hmm. Lost the game to the Lions. You said they would have won it had he been there. I never agreed with that. And weird. 
Season just keeps happening. Kansas City doesn't look all that impressive. And here we are. Because you're not beholden to one guy. You're not beholden to a set of guys. Joe Thune's not going to play in this game. You heard anybody talk about it? If you, have you heard that as a, oh, good Lord, this is a, this is such a huge deal? No. I mentioned it yesterday because that's who's going to be blocking Javon Hargrave. Mm-hmm. But then you look at what's behind him, and you realize that, well, Nick Allegretti's pretty good. Nick Allegretti's a guy that probably start for half the teams in this league. So it's not like you're going from Joe Tony to, to me. And that's credit to Kansas City, and that's why they keep getting here. Mm-hmm. And it's a credit to why this defense has gotten so good. You throw enough draft picks at this, and you're this good in the scouting department, you're going to hit on guys like Joshua Williams. Mm -hmm. And when you have the talent on a team like this, and you have the depth that a team like this has, it never hurts to have great coaching. And Steve Spagnuolo is just – he's one of those guys. He's a defense – like he is a great defensive coordinator. The similarities between him and Rex Ryan as coaches are staggering. Their their similarities as people, they couldn't be any more different if they tried. Because Rex is the loud, boisterous guy. Steve Spagnuolo is the, the quiet, reserved, fiery to the players. I don't know that I even know what his voice sounds like. Mm-hmm. I know I heard it when he was with the Rams. I don't remember it. I'm sure I heard it at some point through Super Bowl media weeks between Kansas City and the Giants. I don't remember it. But they're both excellent defensive coaches and weird. Seemingly every team they coach, they never get beat because the defense is bad. That may not be why they win, but they can throw enough things at you that it's always going to keep them competitive. And in this scenario, he just turns it over to Pat and goes, look, you score 24 points, we're going to be okay. I'm not going to allow more than 24 points. Which is what makes this Kansas City team more dangerous than the ones of the past. Because this team, I believe they can win with defense. I agree. And I was thinking about this earlier today. Is this both the most different Kansas City team that we've seen and the least talented at the same time? Think about all the guys they've lost over the years. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, from Tyreek Hill down, this is not a team that we thought was going to be in the Super Bowl, but we're here. And guess what? They're going to be better next year than they are this. Mm-hmm. I, I saw somebody, I think it's Joshua Penix, said his only concern is what happens next year with Chris Jones and LeJarrius Snape. Let me answer that for you. They'll find a way to bring them back, and they'll be back on the field week one next year. How are they going to do it? I have no idea. I've tried to figure that out for 12 weeks. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but teams like Kansas City, you never see those guys leave for nothing. Mm-hmm. Ever. Figure out a way. Uh, to me, Legarius is one of those that, like Tampa, you're going into this offseason and Antoine Winfield is a free agent. I, I have to have him. I can't move on without him. He's a cornerstone piece. I have to have him. Get it done at all costs. Chris Jones, to me... That might be a, a cost too high. You can figure out a way to make the money work. There is no cost too high. You, not in this defense. I don't care if he tells me he wants Aaron Donald money. You giving it to him? Yep. Okay. I watch how this defense runs, and I've watched how it runs when he's not on the field. Yep, I'm going to do that. And how are we going to do it? I don't know. We'll figure it out. 
You're in the sportsocracy, and this is ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. What about that San Francisco 49ers defense? We'll talk about them up next. If you're looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate in the mountains, you need to call the agents at Clarissa Sells WNC, brokered by eXp Realty. Check us out online at clarissasellswnc.com. Download our free app on Google Play or the App Store. Type in Asheville Home Search. You'll be able to connect with our team and see all the available homes for sale in our area. For more information, contact us today at 828-774-6343 or clarissasellswnc at gmail.com. Showtime Sports and Mountain Graphics have teamed up under new ownership by an Asheville native to better serve our community with the finest custom apparel and unique branded items at the best price. Showtime Sports and Mountain Graphics can customize whatever you, your team, business, or local group may need through high-quality screen printing, embroidery, and laser engraving right here in Asheville. Free personal delivery within Buncombe County and a reduced delivery fee anywhere in Western North Carolina. Visit ShowtimeSportsAVL.com and MountainGraphicsAVL.com. Your one-stop customer apparel shops. All right, people, it's Valentine's Day. Everything has to be perfect. Yes, chef. At Ingalls, we know that not every Valentine's Day is four-star perfection with string quartets and swanky restaurants. My boyfriend bought me flowers. That it's not the money you spend or the elaborate lengths you go to. Happy Valentine's Day. It just has to come from the heart. Ingalls, we're with you every step of the way. The Sportsocracy. The ceiling is the roof. Let's make it happen. Let's keep moving forward. We are back in the Ingalls studio on ESPN Asheville. Super Bowl 58 this Sunday. You can come down and uh, join us, hang out, watch the game with us at the Village Porch. We will be live there for the game 51 North Merriman Avenue. It is the football home of the sportsocracy. Uh, I'll be there roughly all day. Uh, I have to pace myself because in the words of the late, great Toby Keith, RIP, I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. (laughs) (laughs) So you got to pace yourself so that you aren't uh, wasted before the game starts. Uh, How How many times has that happened, by the way? Like and uh, like, give me a percentage of of your Super Bowl watching career since you were thirteen years old. Uh, it's cute that you think that's when it started. Real earlier than that? Oh yeah, five. I'll put it this way: Actually, I bet on the national title game when I was seven years old. So I mean, it's drinking. in my bio. I mean, drinking. Oh, oh, oh! I How thought you meant watching it since you were thirteen oh. years old. <laughs> percentage of games for the, the, the of the Super Bowl that you have been drunk before kickoff? Zero. Really? I'm impressed. I'm really good at I'm really good at managing that. <laughs> I, I have a real fear of the Joey Diaz Tom Segura thing. You know the bit from Tom's last stand up where you know he takes a takes a little a little eatable. Oh yeah, and he's yeah. sitting on the plane, and he's like, "Why are we here?" I don't want that. That's <laughs> if I start feeling myself trending in the wrong direction, you can assume there's either a potato or a sandwich, something with bread and carbs is headed my way. <laughs> or if you see uh, if you see HWA uh, motioning for the for the waitress, 
Uh, no, if you see HWA you, motioning that's for the that's waitress. That's the sign of, I need to get him food before he forgets If you see HWA motioning for the waitress, that usually means tequila is en route and the rest of you are in danger. Because if there was an intergender uh, Olympic sport of tandem consumption, HWA and I would be the uh, rock and roll express of that particular division. <laughs> we mess you up. Um, before we get into the uh, state, we only have a few minutes before we got to take the bottom of the hour break. So I figure we should we should talk about San Francisco after the break, and you know, because I don't want to you know talk about San Francisco for two minutes. Nope, totally uh, understand that. So the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, it has been mentioned in the YouTube comments here uh, a couple of times of, yeah, this this defense is so good and so young that it's not going to take a lot for this to continue. For this little run that they're on to turn into 10 straight AFC championship games. Well, look, the, I mean, the, 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 the model for building a dynasty like this is pretty simple. The only problem is that the first two pieces are really hard to figure out. You got to find the right coach and the right quarterback. From there, throw in a couple pieces that are interchangeable on the offense, build out the offensive line, and throw as much of that defense as you possibly can. Because that quarterback is going to score enough points to win you the vast majority of these games. Mm -hmm. You got to have somebody that can get a stop when it's competitive. That's what Kansas City's been, it's what New England lived by for 20 years. Kansas City's been living by it for the last five. Go back and look at how many other draft picks have been on the, the on the defensive side. The O line that was a problem one time. They threw everything in a draft class at it. Mm-hmm. Fix that. Three everything guys. in a draft class and everything in what two free agency periods? When they went after Orlando Brown and then they went after Jawan Taylor. Well, Orlando Brown was a trade. Oh, that's right, he was a trade. That was a My trade bad. that year of their first round pick. They drafted Creed Humphrey and they drafted Trey Smith that year. They signed Joe, Joe Tooney, I believe, the next year. Mm-hmm. And then the right side's just been kind of a revolving door. Yeah. That's been different practically every year because well, they've never you, got it right. Well, all you had to see was was Patrick Mahomes get matered in a Super Bowl. And then you went, oh, okay, so he we're good enough to get this far, but we've got to sew up these little But, I mean, that's, the path, that's what they did. That's the path to righteousness. This has been a, a draft theory that, I mean, I'm telling you, one of these days when I find 15 seconds, I'm going to write a book about this. You want to know why your team struggles or your team is great? It's because once you get there, it's just sustaining the talent. Baltimore, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, San Francisco, now Kansas City. I don't have to do the heavy lifting. I never get stuck in the I have to take a quarterback. That's the number one reason that I am so adamant Washington should be trading out of the second pick. Because I I know you don't love this quarterback. I know you don't. Nobody does. I've yet to find anybody that loves all three of them. Everybody likes one of them. The second one is, yeah. The third one is, well, he's just far and away better than everybody else. When you get stuck into the, I have to have a tackle, I have to have a quarterback, I have to have an edge rusher, I have to have a wide receiver, that's when you end up missing on guys. That's how guys like Reggie Williams happen. Oh, he's big and he's fast and he's awesome. Yeah, but he couldn't catch a cold in a freezer if you doused him in a bucket of water. That's a problem. This is what happens with teams like Kansas City. I don't name me the all right. So going into this draft, name me the position that they have to have. Going into the offseason, what's the position that this Kansas City team you must have? William Workman just commented this in the YouTube chat. 
Another linebacker? Wide receiver. Oh, I felt like that was reasonably easy. Yeah. Oh, great. So I need a player at a position that is the deepest position every single year. That's what I need. I don't need an edge rusher. We've done this like three times in the last two years. I got enough of those guys. It's rotational. I'm on, I took three. I'll hit two. And that's how, because I do believe this defense is going to keep getting better. I got to keep the luxurious needs. I got to keep the Chris Jones and I got to keep just putting things around it. Then you get into a situation like this where that's the biggest part of what I'm looking at in this game. That doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. You're telling me San Francisco's a favorite and you got Whittle Brock Purdy going up against that defense. Okay. Meanwhile, I got Pat Mahomes going up against that secondary. Yeah, your front seven's phenomenal. Your secondary ain't. And with no Hufanga, uh, that changes the way this gets called. That part doesn't make any sense to me. And I think it's reputation. It's one of the funniest things to me that happens year after year after year after year. Once a team is good defensively, they're good forever. Mm -hmm. You don't pay attention to what you're actually seeing. And God forbid the stats back that up. Dig into it even just a little bit, which is what we're going to talk about after the break. I feel like there's this notion that San Francisco is way better than Kansas City defensively, and I believe it's a myth. You're in the Sportsocracy, and this is ESPN Asheville. The best season of the year is here. Tailgate season. Monster Brewing presents this season's MVP. The Beast Unleashed. With four bold, familiar flavors. With zero caffeine and zero sugar. Beast Unleashed is your new pregame ritual. With white haze, mean green, peach perfect, and scary berries, there's a flavor for every fan. The Beast Unleashed. 6% alcohol by volume. Unleashed responsibly. Must be 21 or over. Beast Unleashed. Available at your local retailer. The Ingalls 2024 Southern Conference Downtown Dribble and Kids Fest presented by Champion Credit Union will be held Saturday, March 9th, 9.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. at the Roger McGuire Green at Pack Square Park. The Downtown Dribble will feature interactive games, inflatables, pep bands, cheerleaders, and a parade. Each participant will receive a basketball, Downtown Dribble t-shirt, and a ticket to the noon session quarterfinal basketball games. Check-in will begin at 9.30 a.m. at Roger McGuire Green. To register, visit downtowndribble.eventbrite.com. Boy, you must be outside your mind. The Sportsocracy. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. It is official, ladies and gentlemen. We will have a four horsemen in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Steve Mongo McMichael. This is my heartwarming story of the day. He's apparently gotten the call. And he will be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame McMichael was got he got the call back in August that he was part of the twelve seniors out of the 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 senior selection committee had picked as finalists for the twenty twenty three class or the twenty twenty four class excuse me apparently his wife says that it has become official and he will hopefully we all hope and pray that he will have an opportunity to, to see himself get inducted into the Hall of Fame. He has been in declining health for quite a while. He spent a lot of time in the hospital this past August. Uh, I think I think I saw a picture of him getting the call, and he was in the hospital or had just gotten out of the hospital. Uh, he's 65 years old. He's got ALS. He got pneumonia this past summer that put him in the hospital for quite a while. Um, and let's just say the champs' times are running out. And I think this is wonderful. It's a great 
moment of justice to see a guy who was unheralded as a major piece to that 1985 Bears championship team get inducted into the Hall of Fame. And yes, he is, of course, member of the Four Horsemen. Uh, my story is about now former Tennessee Titans head coach Mike Vrabel. He has found a new gig. He's returning to the Big Ten. Yeah. And you would assume that that means he's going back to Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not. It's Wisconsin. Uh, him and Luke Fickle are really, really close. Yes. Uh, Fickle was on ESPN Wisconsin's Wild and Tausch and basically said, uh, coming up in the spring, some things like that, see how much he'll be involved, how deep we can get involved with my buddy and get him around here. So it appears that that's going to be the one-off plan for the year. We've been asked a lot if I've heard anything about what happened with Mike Vrabel, if we can justify the the reports that have been out that the reason he didn't get a job is because he's a... Uh, he's a big, scary man. Well, he's a, B, he's a BDD. He's a big damn dude. So... <laughs> I, I can't justify that. Here's what I will say, and I I heard this a lot around Senior Bowl week. There's been kind of a changing of the guard in, in the coaching circles in the NFL, and every team seems to be looking for the young hotshot that they're going to have for a long time. Mike Vrabel's not a long-time guy. None of the Bill Belichick guys are a long-time guy because Mike is so intense. You can't expect any team to want to do that for 10 years. And look, I understand that most teams don't hire coaches and hold on to them that long. Right now, the two longest tenured coaches in the NFL are Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh. It's rare, Mm -hmm. but that's what every team's looking for. They're all looking at the Rams going, they have Sean McVay who will be here until he gets tired of it. And that's what we want. And if you look at the hires around the league, Mike McDonald, young guy. He's my age. He's 36 years old. Brian Callahan, he's under 40. Raheem Morris, I believe, other than John Harbaugh, was the oldest guy in this cycle to get a job. Mm-hmm. That kind of steers in the opposite direction of Rabel. And it's not that he's not a good coach. It's just this is such an imitation league that teams are looking at – just look at the teams that were left. You had – Harbaugh, who's always hired well, but he's a special teams guy. You've got Andy Reid, offensive guy. Kyle Shanahan, offensive guy. Matt LaFleur, offensive guy. Dan Campbell, yes, he does have that Mike Vrabel aura about him. But but Ben Johnson gets as much credit for this as Dan Campbell does. Is that Dan Campbell is looked at as the CEO. And he runs the operation, but then he hires well and he turns the offense over to to Ben Johnson. He turns the defense over to Aaron Glenn. And there's just not a lot of teams that are really comfortable with that setup. They want a head coach that comes in and locks up one side of the ball or the other. And we'll figure out that coordinator on the other side. Not every team is as dead set against defensive coaches as I am. Seattle being the one that's first and foremost. That was what they were after. Mm -hmm. And they made no bones about it. We want to lock down this young defensive unit and we'll figure out the offense. I'm not going to tell you that Mike Vrabel's never going to get another shot because I think he will. It may take two or three years, though. It may take two or three years. Hmm. Because you look around this league and it gets really hard to figure out, okay, so what build of a team 
is going to be after Vrabel? That, that's an honest question. Yeah. Because for me, there's only one. What do you mean by build of a team? So just look at the roster, look at the mentality, look at the 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 culture of all 31 NFL teams that aren't the Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. Which one in the direction that they are steering, not where they are right this second, but what they're trying to get to. What team do you look at and go, that's going to be a soft landing spot for Mike Brabel at some point? And we were locked into Carolina because you needed a culture. I'll be honest with you, I like the Dave Canales higher better because that's a guy that can come in and get the most out of Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. I was thinking like Cleveland. I don't see a path. I don't see a path because I don't see Stefanski going anywhere anytime soon. Mm-hmm. He's got a lock on the offense. The offense has been really good running the ball, and the defense is good. There's not a lot of teams that are going to sign up for what it is that Mike Brable's selling. Because the era of we win because we can grind the ball out, run it down your throat three yards in a cloud of dust and play really good defense, those days are going the way of the dodo bird. I need somebody that can take a quarterback and prop them up, and they're looking at him going, well, Will Levis was fine. But other than that, your big win is Ryan Tannehill. And I'll be honest with you, Arthur Smith struggled with this in in interviewing for OC jobs. There was more than one team that let it be widely known. We weren't picking up what he was laying down. It's quarterback-driven league, and you don't seem to get that. So do I? Can I verify that any of the you know he's a BDD and that's what scared teams off? Uh, no, I can't, and I don't think that's true. I think it's more what's in his head than what he than how he appears when he walks up to you. Okay, San Francisco 49ers defense. Are they that good? We just assume that they're good. Well, everybody we know the names. Well, they've been good for a long time, mm-hmm. and we know the names. Mm-hmm. Right? We know Nick Bosa and Javon Hargrave and Fred Warner. But is the defense as good as we make it out to be, Jeremy? Your argument is no. I think the better defense in this game is Kansas City. Okay, and I'm not real sure what the argument that anyone would have outside of that would be. Tell me what exactly is it that San Francisco does better than Kansas City? If you go at this from a st- – and I'll save you the time of looking. If you go at this from a statistical point of view, you don't have one. There's not one. They're better against the run. Ooh, let me cut through why that is. Uh, Kansas City, let's look at who they played. Uh, Detroit, before the Jameer Gibbs thing really happened. Jacksonville, Chicago, the Jets. Minnesota, the Broncos. Chargers, Broncos, Dolphins, Eagles. Raiders, Packers, Bills, Patriots, Raiders, Bengals, Chargers. Of those teams, how many of them don't have really, really good quarterbacks that they lean on? Oh, okay, it's the Jets and the Raiders. Outside of that, the Broncos, who are in the division, mm-hmm. who, oh, by the way, beat them. Uh, of, of course, you're better against the run. It, it would stand to reason because Kansas City's more worried about Justin Herbert and Kirk Cousins and Jalen Hurts and Tua Tungvaloa and Jordan Love, and that's just the ones I'm looking at on the screen. Of course, you're better. You also play in the NFC. You play in the NFC where there are no elite quarterbacks. There is not one elite quarterback in the NFC, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. The closest you have is Matthew Stafford. Brock Purdy might be the two. Where would he fall in the AFC? You know that conference where Kansas City gets 13 of their 17 games a year. Mm -hmm. 10? Somewhere in there. I I tend to agree. 
That's where the stats are misleading. This is the reason that anytime somebody comes to me with a stat-based argument, that's fine, but I'm going to cut what you bring to me into little teeny tiny pieces if you didn't do your legwork on it. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. So Kansas City, in your opinion, is better against defending the run. It's not necessarily that they're better defending the run. It's that they're a better defense, period. They're just a better defense. Okay. You're going to catch them with a draw play every now and then, or you're going to catch them with a jet sweep or something like that because they're so worried about the pass because who they played. San Francisco gets into these grind-em-out games. They also get into games where they've just blown teams out, and all you're trying to do is run the clock down. Not exactly the offensive juggernauts that you're coming up against with Kansas City. Now, let me give you the justification for that. If you look at teams that are the three best defenses in the NFL, according to just, we'll go with yardage because that's a a basic, basic, basic stat. The top three were all in the AFC. Two of them were so bad offensively that you almost can't use that. Cleveland and the Jets. That's how they played. Yes, they were both elite talent defensively. But the stats are misleading. It's not like teams were having to throw against the Jets all that often, so of course you're in the top three. You're that good defensively, and you're not getting into shootouts because you can't score. Cleveland didn't score like that until the last six weeks of the season when Joe Flacco showed up, and guess what? As soon as that happened, the defense was nowhere near as good as it was. People have said, oh, that's because they were on the road. No, they so happened to be on the road. There is a difference between a coincidence and a causation. They started putting up big points. Weird. All of a sudden, the defense wasn't as good as it was in the past. There's a reason for that. It is super rare that you see a team that is really, really good offensively and is really, really good defensively. Because if you're that good offensively, defense on the field a lot. Mm-hmm. Defense comes back on the field quick. You usually turn the ball over more, so you get more into more of those quick turn situations where maybe the defense isn't prepared for what's getting ready to be thrown at them because they didn't have the time to analyze the pictures on the sideline. That's a causation. Not a coincidence. Now, you look at San Francisco. You're, well, let's see, they're 10 in the NFL in yards allowed. They're right there with the Patriots, the Bills, and the Dolphins. You think they're better defensively than any of the teams I just said? Because I don't. No. I don't. That Miami defense by the end of the year was better than San Francisco is defensively. The difference is San Francisco didn't play all of those teams play an AFC schedule. Mm-hmm. They played a schedule that was littered with, oh, let's see, the New York football giants, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Arizona Cardinals, that Cleveland Browns team I was just referencing, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who uh, had one of those fun weeks where they couldn't do anything, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Seattle Seahawks twice, the Cardinals again, the Washington Commanders. Do you see a little difference in what I'm saying here? Weird. Kansas City still somehow found a way to allow less yardage than you did, allow less points per game than you did, and analytically, they're better at every level than you are. Yes, you have Nick Bosa. Yes, you have a formidable defensive line. Back half ain't great. Linebackers are really good. Mm -hmm. Secondary ain't great. Mm -hmm. The thing that concerns me the most, and I think should concern every 49ers fan the most, is the fact that you were elite against the run until you hit the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Something happened. I don't know what happened. Scheme-wise, did something change? Did we start uh, abandoning the, the 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 game plan? 
Because you came in, you gave up a whole boatload of yards to the Green Bay Packers. Gave up over 100 yards to Aaron Jones in the first week of the playoffs. Then you went up against Detroit, and they ran the ball down your throat for an entire half. You locked it down in the second half, but they also abandoned the run in the second half. You know what would scare me if I was a San Francisco 49er? What's that? Man, your defense looked really good against Kenny Pickett and Daniel Jones and Colt McCoy and Baker Mayfield and Geno Smith and Jalen Hurts and Sam Howell. Man, your defense looked really bad against Matthew Stafford twice, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and Kirk Cousins. Causation, coincidence. They ain't the same thing. And this isn't hard to figure out. I said this all year long. The AFC is so much better than the NFC that it's pathetic. I'm not sure there weren't eight teams in the AFC that could have won the NFC. Mm -hmm. San Francisco is the only one that I think could have won a game in the AFC. Miami Dolphins, you put them up against Detroit. How do you think that would have gone? Honestly. That secondary against Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Mm -hmm. Smoked. Smoked. And that was a team that couldn't get out of the first round. It didn't even look like they belonged in the AFC playoffs. Iron sharpens iron. The Kansas City Chiefs have been doing this every single week, all season long. And I think the biggest detraction of them is, well, they weren't good against Denver twice. Of course they weren't. Of course they weren't. I'll give you an example. And this is, a, uh, this is an intersport example. The North Carolina Tar Heels are the best team in college basketball. Fact or fiction. Yeah. I don't even think it's debatable. You think they are? I do. Okay. Okay. Last sure, three I'll games. Go with fact. Last three games. You played Georgia Tech, who's god awful. Mm-hmm. You played Clemson, who's good, not great. You played Duke, that was an actual legit contender. You showed up against Duke and beat their brains out of the back of their skull, and you put two grumpers up against Clemson and Georgia Tech. You know why? Because that's human nature. You ever have a real easy day at work and you just go, you know what, I can cruise through this one. And maybe you go out and get drunk the night before and you show up and your head hurts and your effort level's at about 30%, but you know, cruising through this one. Mm -hmm. You don't do that on the day of the big meeting, do you? That day you have the meeting with the bosses where you have to keep your job. That's weird. You go to bed at 9 o'clock, you eat a real good breakfast, get you a little ham and egger, and you show up like this is the only day that matters. Well, guess what? That's the Super Bowl. Which is why, to me, this is the most comically easy thing I think I've ever seen to figure out. Kansas City is going to show up. Game may be close. Game may, may be a blowout. I don't know. But at the end of the day, I have a defense in Kansas City that I can trust against a quarterback that I don't. And conversely, I have a secondary I don't trust against a quarterback that I do more than anything in this world. Because if you give him the ball, he's going to score because this is Tom Brady 2.0. Mm-hmm. And you see when I break it down like that, how easy it is to go, man, this really doesn't make sense. When you put it that way, it really doesn't make sense that San Francisco is a favorite. The only thing I can figure is that Vegas looks at the average betting public and goes, mm-hmm. sheep. We get lots of action. We set this. this number here. You get two points with Brock Purdy, who everybody seems to love. And Kansas City doesn't have any receivers that can catch. And Pat Mahomes hasn't looked as good. And the offensive line is hurt. And all they do is look at you and go, they'll run right off the cliff. All we have to do is direct them. Key to the game for the San Francisco 49ers defense, true or false, is getting pressure. I would agree, yes. I think that's the only way that you're able to 
get any type of an advantage. I'm not sure Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave aren't the three most important players in this game. I could agree with that. If you told me how if, long Pat Mahomes had in the pocket, his average snap to throw, mm-hmm. if you told me it was 2.7 seconds, Kansas City's going to win this game. You tell me it's three seconds, Kansas City's going to blow you out. Mm-hmm. They're going to hurt your feelings. Mm-hmm. You're going to see little Brock Purdy on the sideline with tears in his eyes because he's so sad that he got his head just beat against the sidewalk. Now, is it possible that that defensive line shows up because they've heard enough talking head idiots like me say this? Absolutely. That's the, the that's the beauty of the the opposite side of this. But then you get into the pressure. This is a pressure that you have never seen before in in large part because everybody talks about the San Francisco team and how they were just here a few years ago. Do you realize how different different this team is right now than they were three years ago when they were here? Just look up and down the roster. How many of the guys? How many of the twenty two starters in the previous game are starters now? I don't know how many. Seven. That's what they have. Seven guys that have been here before. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Not the advantage you think it is. Oh, and I have a coach that has a very well-documented history of coming into these games and showing up small. Maybe you see why it's hard for me to believe that's going to happen. Right. Because that is on the table that San Francisco shows up, that pass rush is just hellhounds. They miss Joe Tooney way more than I think they're going to. Jawan Taylor can't figure out when the ball's being snapped, can't line up on sides. But do you think that's going to happen to Andy Reid? No, nope. Because I don't. I don't think it's going to happen to Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes doesn't necessarily control some of the things I just said. I believe yeah. in Pat, too. That's not my point. I, 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 and I, but I don't know that that's necessarily true. Um, I, obviously, he can't block for himself, but nobody creates more time than he does. And the statistics show the, the more time that he can create for himself, the more dangerous he can become and the less you get after him, which, which doesn't seem right, right? It would, it would make more sense if the quarterback's holding on to the ball longer, his sack rate would go up. That's not the case with Patrick Mahomes because he's so damn elusive because he's got those Tom Brady type feet in the pocket. He can get away and create plays where nobody else can so even though you're getting in the backfield, you're getting home. You, you can't get it down. There's almost part of me that thinks, and I, I come to Steve Wilkes on this because I don't trust him either. I never have. There's part of me that thinks Andy Reid is looking at him going, how are you going to react when I do A? Because when I go A, you're going to react with B, and I'm going to throw C at you. And he's got this whole game planned out from the kickoff to the final whistle. And this is a chess match where I get Andy Reid, who is the great savant, and I'm going up against a mop. Because <laughs> I've seen Steve yeah. Wilkes get outcoached by mediocre to bad coaches. Red C said this in our YouTube comments. Arizona was able to move the ball on them at will twice. Yes. With two different quarterbacks. Ran for 170 yards mm-hmm. on them, I think it was, in the last And game. that wasn't me taking a shot at Jonathan Gannon. That's just me saying that offensive staff, this was their first year together. They ran it down San Francisco's throats twice. And now I get Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a major problem. You're in the sportsocracy, and this is ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. When we come back, Top of the hour, it'll be time for Tar Heel Time with Jones Angel, the voice of the Tar Heels.
If cleanliness is next to godliness, look around the car right now. Is that very godly? Look, life comes at you fast, but so does WNC Auto Detailing. They have the tools to make your interior look like it's coming off the showroom floor. You don't believe me? Check them out on Instagram. All that filth and years of stains disappear. WNC Auto Detailing does full interior and exterior details with paint correction, and they do wax and ceramic coatings. Call WNC Auto Detailing at 455-3700. Premium care with a Southern Hospitality Touch. If you're looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate in the mountains, you need to call the agents at Clarissa Sells WNC, brokered by EXP Realty. Check us out online at clarissasellswnc.com. And did I mention that Clarissa Sells WNC loves teachers? We love teachers so much, we're giving back 25% of our commission at closing. For more information, contact us today at 828-774-6343 or clarissasellswnc at gmail.com. The Sportsocracy. It fires me up, man. I love it. Say it one more time. The Sportsocracy. Shake it back! Beer City's best sports talk. It is gross. Just earlier. They are mature, actually. You just have to get to know them better. Your lunchtime dose of dumbassery. Live from the Ingalls Studio. It is ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, 1400. And, of course, we're heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Seen everywhere on YouTube. Go to thesportsocracy.com. Click the live video link. Subscribe to the channel. That way you can join us in the chat. It is the 1 o'clock hour. It is a Thursday, and that means it's time for Tar Heel time with Jones Angel, the voice of the North Carolina Tar Heels. He's brought the cannons with him, and he's ready to go. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I got a, I got too much heat for my vest on uh, on Monday. <laughs> no, here's the thing that here's the thing that I feel like Coach Davis is missing the point on this. Yeah, the vest and the jacket they don't they're they're separate. They they fill separate uh, jobs, right? Mm-hmm. Like the jacket I'm going to wear when it's cold outside. The vest is an all day wear that can be inside or outside. And so they fill different roles uh, from one another. So he and I will have to have we'll, – we'll have this very serious discussion uh, before the Miami game. I'm sure that's what he wants to focus on. Oh, oh no doubt. Um, Coach Hubert Davis giving him the, giving him the down the road over wearing one of the, the, uh, the insulated uh, puffy vest yeah. thing on, uh, on the coach's show on Monday night. It was great. It was great. Um, so, anyway, Saturday was fun. Tuesday, not so much fun. Yeah, and I mean, I think obviously those two things will were related, right? I mean, I, I think uh, Carolina certainly played very well on Saturday. Um, I thought it was, and Hubert Davis said this afterwards, uh, the, the most complete game from his team all season. I, I just thought Carolina was really good in, in every aspect of the game. Um, unfortunately, the beginning of the Clemson game looked like the Tar Heels had been thinking about how good they were on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And to Clemson's credit, the the Tigers came out and took full advantage of that. And and Tank, you know, there was that game at Pitt earlier this year where the Tar Heels started the game really poorly shooting the basketball. You know, they didn't make their first field goal till like six minutes in the game or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but the score was six to nothing when they made their first basket. And so it, the game was still very much in play. You know, this game, to Clemson's credit, it, it was 15-2 to two, um, in the first three minutes or so. And so not only was Carolina very clearly sluggish, 
But Clemson took advantage to the fullest. I mean, they made seven of the first eight baskets. They hit three threes in those first couple of minutes. And it was a big blow. And while 13 points is not insurmountable, and we saw Carolina come all the way back and tie it, um, you know, now you, you've got a pretty steep climb in front of you at that point if you're Carolina. And so it, those first five minutes, and that's a generalization on the time. I don't know if it was exactly five, but those first five minutes or so, and then the last five minutes or so um, were the defining factors. You know, Carolina finally got that thing tied again at 70, and, and then, Tank, it was almost as though Carolina had expended so much energy and done so much work to finally get it tied. And then all of a sudden the execution just got really sloppy. You know, they turned it over in three out of four possessions. Um, Meanwhile, it's not like Clemson was lighting the world on fire um, offensively after that start. But what the Tigers did is they hit some key baskets, and they did in that stretch. They they scored the next seven points to lead it 77-70, and then Carolina was chasing the game for the last couple minutes and eventually lost by four. And so... Um, it, to me, that was it. It was three things. It was Carolina's very obvious hangover, if you will, from the Duke game. It was the lack of execution down the stretch from the Tar Heels. And then it was Clemson making big plays throughout the game when Carolina would cut the deficit down to three and then Clemson would hit a three. Or they'd, you know, Carolina would go on a, a 5 nothing run or something to, to cut it to a six-point game and then Clemson would get a three-point play. It felt like they had uh, they answered with big baskets um, throughout the game. Um, I think you could have pretty easily seen the beginning of that game coming as far as Carolina being a little sluggish. I do still think that's disappointing with a veteran group to have that happen. And again, you have to credit Clemson for taking full advantage of it and making sure that they put themselves in the best position to win after that poor start by Carolina. Seeing it firsthand, being uh, you know there on the uh, at the at the broadcast table as you were, did you feel like we got out hustled as bad as I did? Because I just kept watching uh, PJ Hall and uh, is it Ian Shifflin, yeah. Uh, those two guys just brought a whole fire. And as you said, every moment when the Tar Heels got back into it, it seemed like it was one of those guys making a hustle play, making the extra effort. And I just didn't feel like we had that. I I definitely felt that way through the first couple of minutes. Like Clemson was just the more crisp team. Um, They were the ones that were – getting themselves open looks they were cutting hard they were setting hard screens they were you know getting the defensive rebound after a miss i mean all all of those things were happening early which i do think you can say clemson was the team that was out hustling the other team in those first couple minutes i i didn't think that somehow carolina then wasn't trying hard um the the rest of the game i I did feel that way the first couple minutes where they were sluggish but not the rest of the game i i think you have to credit clemson i i thought um they just made some really big plays and made some really big uh particularly second chance opportunities um but that i mean shefflin's one of the best offensive rebounders in the conference in fact i think he's first in the conference in offensive rebounds per game P.J. Hall's a first-team All-ACC player. So, I mean, those guys were doing things that they do well, um, and Carolina was was not able to meet that. I I don't think it's because Carolina was 
getting out-hustled or wasn't trying. I think it was much more a credit to Clemson for, for making it happen on, on their side. And that's, I mean, Shefflin in particular, like, that's his game. That, that's how he's on the floor is by being that guy who, who is tipping out a big offensive rebound or, or getting an offensive rebound and going back up and scoring and getting fouled. That's what he does. And so I thought he did that well. Um, and Clemson shot it well early. I mean, P.J. Hall last five games had been four of 23 from three-point range. Um, he made four threes in this game. So some of it was uh, those good players also just kind of getting back to, to the mean a little bit after what had been a, a rough couple of games for the Tigers. Well, uh, a couple of years ago, they were over in Chapel Hill. Now in the last four years, we're... We've given up two, and I don't like it, okay? I liked having that big old goose egg for the Clemson Tigers in Chapel Hill, but uh, that is it is a good team. You came off of, a, of an emotional, hard-fought, as you said, and as everybody has said, best game you played all year against Duke, and it's not a, a huge shocker that you would go in and be a little – tired a little taken aback you know the with just two days off in between those big games yeah it wasn't yeah i mean it it was not a great schedule break for the tar heels but that's that's an excuse i mean Mm -hmm. turning around and playing quickly and playing a good team was hard but if you're going to be a really good team you're going to have to do things like that and so um again um, I, I think the biggest disappointment for Carolina was that you, you kind of gave back what you had gained on Saturday with that win because Carolina had given itself a little bit of cushion and you know had a two-game advantage in the conference, and now all of a sudden it's right back to, to a one-game lead over Virginia and a one-and-a-half-game lead over Duke mm-hmm. in, the, in the conference schedule, and you've got to play both those teams at their place here over the last couple of weeks. And so um, it, it was – Carolina gave something back there in that game. And, Tank, there's no question. Carolina has the hardest schedule left of any of the contenders in the ACC. And it's not particularly close how difficult Carolina's schedule is. Mm -hmm. Um, At Miami on Saturday, at Syracuse after that, Virginia Tech at home, and then at Virginia. Those are the next four games for Carolina. Um, Then the final four games, you have three of them at home, um, and then uh, a matchup against Duke. Uh, in Cameron, and so in one of those home games is against State, and that's going to be a rivalry game, and, and all the different emotions that go into that. So, uh, Carolina's schedule is a challenge, and they, there are no get-right games for the Tariels. They, they don't have a game, at least not in the foreseeable future, where they can go out there and, and work through some kinks. They've got to be ready to go on Saturday uh, down in Coral Gables against the Canes. Yeah, well, maybe Notre Dame, but that's too far off. That's, that's right, the yeah, last, that's, that's the, the next, next I think that's the next to last season. game of the season, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. And it so, is. A lot of things to do before then. Exactly. Uh, as you said, tough matchups coming uh, my my biggest reaction or question I guess after the Tuesday loss to Clemson was all the stuff that I was reading about the preparation for the game yeah Alluding and I'll, I can go and address story. that yeah yeah I'll go and tell you that. I, I think a lot of that was really blown out of proportion okay um I do think Carolina had a bad practice on Monday that's absolutely the case Coach Davis talked about it some on the radio show on Monday that uh, basically about halfway through that practice, he had to stop practice and remind everyone that, that it needed to be a little better than it was up until that point. 
But then I think the the other stuff, the waters got murkied a little bit there, where it was like, oh well, people showed up late to shoot around. That it, no, it, the pregame shoot around. It wasn't like guys didn't show up until 15 minutes after it was supposed to start, and Hubert Davis didn't know what people were talking about because that wasn't the case. I, I think what was being mentioned was that like a player or two were a little later coming out of the locker room before the pregame warm up, like once it had already gotten to game time, like when Carolina goes out there shooting around. So I, I think as with sometimes happens on the Internet, when something gets said and maybe there isn't some context to it, then people start adding their own context to it. And I think that made it seem a lot worse than it really was. I can tell you, take, I, in, in being around this team relatively closely here over the last several months, I have seen zero evidence of any kind of off-the-court issue, lack of desire, any of that. Um, I, I think one of the Tar Heels' greatest strengths, in fact, is their camaraderie and their togetherness, and we've talked about that. And, and in nothing that has happened has changed my mind on that. I do think Carolina was a little too happy about how well it played on Saturday and it picked up that big win and wasn't as sharp as it needed to be at the beginning of the game. That, that's obvious. But to look any deeper than that would be incorrect. Okay, because there was a lot of that with the Capitol, uh, the, I, I guess the, the, the Capitol Press Corps. Luke DeCock had a story on it. I saw North, North State Journal had uh, a story that was Well, look, if Luke DeCock has a story on it, then it must be true, right? <laughs> Thanks. So. Uh, North State Journal had a lot of stories that were filled with a bunch of uh, sleepwalking uh, wake wake up call lots of lots of great buzzwords to really drive home the fact that the Tar Heels as it seems to be with uh, some media members they just want to make it feel like things are out of control that there might be well, look, a little cheek in the armor you know of the uh, Tar Heels well look Carolina I mean this is a big game on Saturday because if you lose this game all of a sudden you've lost three or four and that's an issue mm-hmm. um, I think for Carolina the Tar- it was going to be hard for the Tar Heels to play at the level in which they played from mid-December to the beginning of February. That's a good six weeks in which Carolina was playing at an extraordinarily high level. Um, you had to assume that the Tar Heels were going to take a little bit of a step back at some point in time, and I don't think that's unnatural. I, I think the question now is, can you start ramping it back up to get back to that point? Um, where you were in mid-January. That now is the challenge for Carolina, is to be able to find back um, that level of play on a consistent basis. Because there's just, you're, you're just not going to do it for three months out of the college season. It's just, that's just not realistic. Mm-hmm. And especially with a team like Carolina, which, look, the Tar Heels don't, it's not like the Tar Heels are the number one most talented team in the nation or have these surefire NBA picks. Carolina's strength is in its collective, and I don't mean NIL collective. I mean the collective as far as the group, and I think you saw that with Seth Trimble being out on Tuesday, that when one piece of that puzzle is out, it affects Carolina pretty dramatically. And so this is a good Carolina basketball team, a really good team, but it needs all of its pieces available um, and playing at a decent level to have the best chance to win against really good teams. And you're not going to be able to do that in a college basketball season for three or four straight months. So now can you get it back and get it back moving in that direction and build back again 
um, to where you're playing that way in in early to mid-March, which is when it really matters the most. Well, hopefully Seth will be back for uh, Saturday. Is that uh, trending that way, you think? Don't know. Carolina had yesterday off. Um, and they'll be back on the practice court. It's, what, one fifteen or so right now. They'll be back on the practice court here in a couple hours. Um, so that, that'll be the first opportunity to see. Um, the Hills will go through, uh, go through a full practice today and tomorrow, um, but have not been on the court yet uh, since that game on Tuesday. Wednesday was scheduled day off, always meant to be a day off, and so we'll, we'll start learning that information uh, today. All right, Jones, I know you got to run. We appreciate the time, uh, buddy, and uh, we'll catch up with you next week. Thanks, Tank. Talk to you soon. All right, Tar Heel time with Jones Angel, voice of the North Carolina Tar Heels. You can hear Tar Heel basketball here all season long on ESPN Asheville. Saturday afternoon, 4 o'clock tip-off, 3 o'clock will be the pregame start here on ESPN Asheville as number 3 North Carolina gets ready to take on Miami. Yes, we hope Trimble will be back for the game, uh, and we also need Cormac Ryan to hit some shots. I don't want to call that out while Jones was on, uh, but... Holy cow, you cannot miss that many shots, especially when you're a player down and expect to uh, win routinely in the ACC. You're in the sportsocracy, and this is ESPN Asheville. The Ingalls 2024 Southern Conference Downtown Dribble and Kids Fest presented by Champion Credit Union will be held Saturday, March 9th, 9.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. at the Roger McGuire Green at Pack Square Park. The Downtown Dribble will feature interactive games, inflatables, pep bands, cheerleaders, and a parade. Each participant will receive a basketball, Downtown Dribble t-shirt, and a ticket to the noon session quarterfinal basketball games. Check-in will begin at 9.30 a.m. at Roger McGuire Green. To register, visit downtowndribble.eventbrite.com. If you're looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate in the mountains, you need to call the agents at Clarissa Sells WNC, brokered by eXp Realty. Check us out online at clarissasellswnc.com. Download our free app on Google Play or the App Store. Type in Asheville Home Search. You'll be able to connect with our team and see all the available homes for sale in our area. For more information, contact us today at 828-774-6343 or Clarissa Sells WNC at gmail.com. You're back at the Sportsocracy on ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, 1400. Okay, so plaid suits are not, that's that's not a thing. You shouldn't do that? I didn't know that. I'd, um, We were talking about oh. the, the Jones Angel hubert davis giving him crap for wearing vests first of all i wear vests uh i like vests mm-hmm. usually because they have pockets mm-hmm. and that keeps me from wearing a hoodie so if it's too if it's too warm for a hoodie cool enough that i need something to keep me a little insulated and i need the pocket then that makes sense sports freak brian hall walked by the door he is wearing the same vest i think that jones angel was wearing <laughs> yeah so, so i was giving him crap for it you couldn't afford to buy the whole jacket? That's what Hubert was saying to Jones. To which Brian responded with, I don't think I'm going to take fashion advice from Hubert Davis. To which I responded, he was wearing a plaid suit the other day. And that has blown Tank's mind that that is not something you should do. Well, I mean, you can wear a plaid suit if you're teaching a class. <laughs> and it has patches on the elbows. Mm-hmm. And even then... Your student base will probably go, how old is our professor? But, that jacket is from 1974. <laughs> but 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 a, like a navy blue jacket with Carolina blue 
plaid print on it. Yeah, let's just not, not do plaid. A fashion. All right, let's it, it, unless you're a picnic table, let's just not do plaid. How about that? <laughs> let's get you a solid blue suit, dear bro. It's uh, it's not hard to do. I've seen me do it thousands of times. Solid colors. We're we're, we're big boys, mm-hmm. and, and we're not eighty. Okay. So. All right. Um, Stephen Tao says plaid shoes, plaid suits are sharp. Don't hate. Mm. I agree. I didn't have any problem with it, but apparently that is a fashion faux pas for Flostradamus. Well, let me just ask you a question. You ever, been, you ever been watching the Grammys and going, Brad Pitt was the best dressed. He was wearing plaid. <laughs> <laughs> you see? You, you see? Okay. All right. I guess. Solid colors. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it's not rocket surgery. Mm-hmm. Don't try to reinvent things. It's kind of like the capri pants that Mike McDaniels wears. I don't do that. Socks with uh, no socks with a suit. I can get down with that. Nah. I, I get it. I get it. Nah, it's funky. Wear it's, socks. N- it's not. You it know, is. if you're if you're about if you, well, I mean, you're five six. So I mean, I totally understand why you wouldn't do that because then you got a little cankle that shows and. All of a sudden, people are wondering why you've got a hoove. Mm-hmm. I get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm out. You're not convincing me on this one. If you're not wearing socks, you need to, I don't know, make more money for something. Nope. Yep. Yep. I do love that Tank Shoes got to- Shoes need to be worn with socks. Tank got to six years old and went, fashion sense dies now. There will be no growth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna wear printed shirts and cargo shorts until I'm 80. Damn right. How many pairs of cargo shorts do you own? Two, I think. It was. It was six. That's what it was like. six, like two years ago. Oh yeah, and, that's right. And then, Ari- lost a bunch and then of Ariel made fun of me, and I, and she made me made me throw them away. What's yes. your cargo shorts? Uh, yes, I wore them to a station event, and Ariel looks at me and she goes, "Oh, honey." quote oh honey you're not doing that are you and i said what are you talking about and she went are you wearing cargo jorts yes yes i am and uh, she went you need to go home and change those right now uh steven Tao actually hit this nail on the head plaid suits are okay if you're a skinny man you can't be a big man you can't be a buffman and you can't be an enshapeman and wear plaid suits now go. if you're a beanpole then that'll work <laughs> the minute that your shoulders get to big boy size, you should stop doing that. And that's one of the several reasons why. Okay. Interesting. You get to big boy. I mean, look, I've been six, five since I was 14 years old. Okay. So, uh, it, for me, it's never been an option. Cause I always look like a really fat picnic table. Uh, yes. No socks is gross. Stop with that. Oh, um, can, uh, all right. I just, I feel like all of you don't know that what, what happens inside that shoe. You do understand that you wrap the sole in a sock, right? You, you understand you're not just putting stinky foot with no sock into the shoe. You, you know that, right? No. Oh, why would you, why? Well, because I mean, I understand, the, I mean, I mean, I understand the purpose, but why not just wear the freaking sock? Because then you can see the sock and that's the purpose. Oh my God. It's a stylistic thing. Ah, so you get the function of the sock yes. without it being seen. Gotcha. So okay. like me, I wear Hey Dudes every day. You know that the sole of every one of these is wrapped in a sock that I freshly wrapped that day, right? No. 
Okay. No, you've been wearing socks without shoes, and your feet are gross and stinky, and inside that shoe is probably mold of some kind nope. because your sweaty feet have been rubbing on that leather for however long you've had those shoes well, that's what it's like in my mind when i see somebody not wearing socks you are gross and you need to go to some kind of like finishing school to learn how to behave amongst normal people okay well a i don't wear leather shoes <laughs> b the top of my foot doesn't sweat because i'm not a horse uh <laughs> and c the bottom is covered by socks mm -hmm. so, and i wash my shoes every week that's why i wear shoes that are made out of burlap so it's it's the thing. Mm -hmm. it's, now dress shoes that gets a little that's a little tougher. Mm -hmm. I don't wear dress shoes very often, so no, you don't. Foot, I also have a foot prisons. I also have a sweet sock collection, so I don't really ever go the dress shoe with no sock combo. Mm -hmm. But I get it. I learn a lot of things about you on this show. You are in the sportocracy. This is ESPN Asheville. You can join us. Live at the Village Porch, 51 North Merriman Avenue on Sunday. That's where we will be watching the big game. And I will happily show you how to or, uh, to make an ornate insole for your shoe so you can have the sockless look with actual full functionality. <laughs> uh, and I will be drinking one of their wonderful, bills, wonderful beer specials. Uh, they've got pitcher specials. There's buckets of Bud Light specials. Uh, which is, I'm a domestic light guy. I don't really care what the first word is. I, it, as long as it ends in domestic light. Yeah, Bud Bucket specials for the game, as well as team cocktails. Yes. I have not seen a full list to see what kind of team cocktails. Here, I, but I want to be involved in the naming of this. Well, I can tell you one of the bar managers of the Village Porch is from Kansas City. So I'm going to say that there has probably been a lot of love and maybe years of practice put into the Kansas City cocktail. Mm -hmm. The the 49ers, I I don't I don't know that as much love went into that, but I'm sure it's still wonderful. Uh yes, team cocktails on the special board as well, something called a cherry bomb. Uh yeah, it's a it's a rum drink. I will have at least four of them. Plus, they're going to have a special chili on the menu. For I'm looking very forward to that because chili is something that uh, Super Bowl just it needs chili. Jeremy and I will be there. We'll be hanging out, watching the game. You guys come on by, hang out with us, have some uh, libations, have a little food, and we'll just have us a grand old time. Fifty one uh, North Merriman Avenue, the Village Porch. We're going to put out a squares board on social media. We have yet to figure out what the squares are going to cost, but if you don't know how squares work, first quarter, third quarter is a smaller prize, and the half and the end score are a bigger prize. Uh, we may try to do this for we're, – we're spitballing a lot of things. We might do it for charity. A charity probably – that makes the most sense. And this and squares, are that's that's where you pick – you, you get a square that has two numbers on it, and the last numbers of the score yes. have to match. So there's 100 okay. entries. All right. I never have any luck with those games. I, I, Adam Harris and I in the that was the Patriots Rams Super Bowl three years ago. Yeah, yeah, we hit we we played in one together that was a large pool, and we won all four quarters. Mm -hmm. We had all the boozes. Yes, they bought a lot of Jello shots, which I partook in. Uh, it was a great. There, night. It wasn't just Jello shots. We were feeding you the Jello shots because <laughs> you are a bit of a lightweight. <laughs> We were having things that you probably could have taken tar stains out of a driveway with. Yes, indeed.
Yes, indeed. Um, but come on by the Village Porch, 51 North Merriman Avenue. It is the official football home of the sportsocracy. Uh, Stephen Tao said he's, on, he's, he's going for the club sandwich. Always, a, always a good call. It's a meaty club sandwich. Uh, they also have a Nashville hot chicken sandwich now that is shiskies. Mm, I may have to try that. It has a lovely potato salad with it. Uh, and we'll be down there. We'll have some uh, show merch, uh, shirts, and things like that that we'll be, you know, throwing out to to patrons. Uh, mainly, we have a very large bi- box of shirts that we need to put a little bit of a dent in to make room for new shirts. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming up after the break, it will be time to get weird. We'll also continue the uh, football discussions here. Mullet, he's very excited. Very excited about his mock drafts. Oh, it's it's mock draft season, and there is a player in the NFL that Adam Schefter had an interesting take on, and I think he might have been smoking crimes. Hmm. Because what you said sounds just fine until you dig deeper into it and realize that don't make no sense. All right, we got mullet mock draft reaction coming up next on ESPN Asheville. If you're looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate in the mountains, you need to call the agents at Clarissa Sells WNC, brokered by eXp Realty. Check us out online at clarissasellswnc.com. And did I mention that Clarissa Sells WNC loves teachers? We love teachers so much, we're giving back 25% of our commission at closing. For more information, contact us today at 828-774-6343 or clarissasellswnc at gmail.com. All right, people, it's Valentine's Day. Everything has to be perfect. Yes, At Ingalls, we know that not every Valentine's Day is four-star perfection with string quartets and swanky restaurants. My boyfriend bought me flowers. That it's not the money you spend or the elaborate lengths you go to. Happy Valentine's Day. It just has to come from the heart. Ingalls, we're with you every step of the way. Showtime Sports and Mountain Graphics have teamed up under new ownership by an Asheville native to better serve our community with the finest custom apparel and unique branded items at the best price. Showtime Sports and Mountain Graphics can customize whatever you, your team, business, or local group may need through high-quality screen printing, embroidery, and laser engraving right here in Asheville. Free personal delivery within Buncombe County and a reduced delivery fee anywhere in Western North Carolina. Visit ShowtimeSportsAVL.com and MountainGraphicsAVL.com. Your one-stop customer apparel shops on the weird scale there's vegas there's florida and there's Asheville. let's get weird Asheville. back in the sportsocracy on espn Asheville. you know it's not unusual for businesses to you know, go home one day, close up shop, you come back the next day, and something's missing. Right? Maybe somebody broke into the business overnight, somebody walking by, stole something out front, like, you know, the, I don't know, the the, the cigarette island, that little smoker's oasis thing that sits out in front. I, how many times have I seen one of those be stolen or thrown or taken, whatever, However, there was one item that was stolen from an Alabama business the other day that I have zero idea how anybody pulled this off. In Alabama, Jasper, Alabama, 
the program director of WJLX got a phone call the other day when the landscaping crew showed up to the tower site. There was no tower, Jeremy. Somehow, some way, somebody came to the tower site and took a 200-foot radio tower down and all they left was the wires. That is hard to do. The landscaping crew showed up. There was no tower, only the wires laying all strewn about willy-nilly. And they called the program director and said, hey, there is, there's no tower here. Nobody has any clue as to how this happened or how long it took. But I got to imagine it, it couldn't have been that long. Radio stations are going to figure that out eventually if their 200-foot tower is not working anymore. But Jasper police are on the case. Here's, here, here's the other thing. Uh, all right. You knew you were going to get in trouble anyway for getting caught for theft. You do realize that those radio towers are licensed by the federal government. So that makes this a federal crime. Bingo. It is a federal crime to tamper with federally licensed facilities, which radio stations are, since we are licensed by the Federal Communications Commission. They are asking anyone with information to call local law enforcement to figure out who made off with a 200-foot radio tower in the middle of the night. That's ambitious. Well, if you're watching Sunday's game with a vested interest on somebody in a suite that may or may not be dating the tight end of the Kansas City Chiefs, it's been a bit of a rough week for old Tay-Tay. How? She's selling her her jet. She's come under a lot of scrutiny because of her carbon emissions footprint. Yes, yes. And so now she is selling her DeSalt Falcon 900LX for the same $40 million that she used to purchase it in 2011. Good for her. That is one heck of a vehicle that is worth as much 12 years later as it was when you bought it. But that's not why I'm telling this story. Because she's not selling her jet to protect her carbon footprint. Oh. Do you know why she is selling it? Why? Because she bought a bigger plane. she bought a DeSalt Falcon 7X that is now expected to be her expected mode of transportation and she may be suing a university student over it Jack Sweeney is a junior at the University of Central Florida and he has a new fun little hobby he likes to use his social media accounts to disclose Taylor Swift's flight paths and then detail her carbon emissions that she is burning into the atmosphere as she does it. Mm -hmm. And so now she is threatening to sue him for for doing that. For what? Well, how do I put this nicely? Because just because you're famous doesn't mean you're smart. And flight paths are public knowledge. There is nothing you can do to stop somebody from putting that out there. Nope. That would be like somebody. It's not like somebody putting out your work schedule. The FAA is a thing, so you have to disclose where you go. That makes it communal knowledge. Mm -hmm. That'd be like suing somebody for saying they saw you at Ingalls. Hey, Tay-Tay, 
you should probably hire smarter attorneys. <laughs> you have way too much money to do something this stupid. When I heard this story, I went, that's not how any of this works. Mm-mm. That's public record. You can't do anything about that. The only thing I can think of is the old John Reap joke about people talking on cell phones in public. And they talk really loudly. And he would just stand behind them and listen to their conversation. And they would go, can I have some privacy? No. No. Because you're not in privacy. You're in public. <laughs> and as long as you're in public, having privacy conversations, that makes your privacy public knowledge. So the, the Falcon, is this the one, the, the, the new one, the big one? Is this the one that she's using to go to Japan with? I'm sure is she is. The, the long hauler? I was reading an article about it the other day, and apparently she has like six planes. She has her own fleet of yeah. planes. Just yeah. way too much damn for a, for a singer of mediocre songs. Ah, but nah. she's putting out a new album, so let's stop the old presses on that one. I mean, it sells so well; it's hard to uh, hard to argue. Yeah, if you ever want to know, if you ever want to know why Jeremy clings to like Creed and and good music like Matchbox Twenty of the of the nineties, and he's digging that hole deeper. Ah, Keep Matchbox, going. Uh, Matchbox Twenty was awesome. You okay? Listen here, Bob Dylan and Beetle Boy. Just because you like people that can't sing mm-hmm. doesn't mean that people that can sing weren't awesome. <laughs> You ever want to know Three why? Three Doors Down was great. I have a friend in Three Doors Down, so you shut your dirty <laughs> mouth. You got some more deep bangers in there somewhere? What, yeah. bands? Yeah. I, all right, just so, since we went down this rabbit you, hole. You going Sugar Ray next? You know, throw me some lit. I just want to fly. A little oleander, maybe? Uh, lit wasn't bad. Fuel was awesome. Did fuel, you, fuel was yeah, awesome. Right down that. Okay, filter. You're you're a big filter, filter fan. Filter wasn't terrible. Yeah, yeah. How many other just average, just average white bands can we name? Okay, so I'm, I'm glad you said that <laughs> that way. But have you watched the new uh, Netflix special about uh, We Are the World? Yes. What? Okay, I'm I'm real glad I didn't preface this because I, I didn't plan on talking about this today, but it came up. Hey. What was your biggest takeaway of that? I'm so glad you asked this question. My biggest takeaway of that? What the hell is Dan Aykroyd doing there? That was my second takeaway. <laughs> I, you have every... showing Dan Aykroyd, and I'm like, how the how did you get here? Well, I mean, I guess this was this was 1985. Yes. So he was the biggest star on Saturday Night Live. I got that. Had been doing the crossover movies with John Belushi. So I guess he was at the AMAs and just went, hey, we're getting all these stars together. And he went, yeah, I want to go. I kind of felt the same way about Sheila E. Of We we invited Sheila E. And then she covered it for me. Of I felt like they only let me be there because I might get Prince there. And in my head, I was thinking, man, I'm glad you said that. So Mm -hmm. I didn't have to. Mm -hmm. This is the only reason you were invited. Was to She's get still smoking, by the way. She is. She is. Uh, no, I understood that even more because she was popular. Mm-hmm. Right? She was She was up on the charts, had a number one album at that point, solo album. She made sense. Watching all of these people from Kenny Rogers down to Bob Dylan, Stevie Wonder and all these. And back in the back, there's Dan Aykroyd. Just, 
I want to know his story. Now I want a separate documentary yep. with Dan's story of being the most irrelevant person in that room. The camera people had more reason to be there than Dan Aykroyd did. No doubt. <laughs> I, I want to hear Dan Aykroyd talk about how I listened to 30 of the greatest lyricists of all time sing. And then I went, I put on a suit and sang bad music with Jay, with with Jim Belushi's brother. Okay, we're going to forget the bad music part of that. The Bush uh, brothers were awful. You stop it that was right awful. now. It was a... Oh, it's, they're better than Creed, and it ain't even close. Yeah, well, record sales look <laughs> different. So. One of them's relevant right now, and one of them's You ever not. have a big movie? No, you didn't. Blues Brothers did. I was about to say, neither did you. And then I remembered, oh, wait, you were a bit player in that one Ben Stiller movie. <laughs> I wasn't talking about myself. I, I thought he was throwing smack at me. No, no, I was throwing smack at Creed. No, they never my, had a major motion picture. No, my biggest takeaway was, and I've said this before, but I never quite realized how true it was. Bob Dylan and Bruce Springsteen may be the two most god-awful singers I've ever heard in my life. No doubt. That is two of the most hideous voices I've ever heard. And I, I don't know that I knew the magnitude of it until I heard them on each side of like Dion Warwick and Huey Lewis and all these guys that have super pure voices. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I'll throw Willie Nelson in there too. He's not as bad. But you hear these beautiful Michael Jackson, who it literally sounds like it was computer generated. It's so perfect. Mm -hmm. And then you get Bob Dylan's like, we are the world. We are the children. <laughs> and, and it's followed by Bruce Springsteen. We are the world. We if, are the children. If you ever want like, to He see... sounds like a Baptist preacher that is dictating to me that we are the world and we are the children. <laughs> How are you popular? <laughs> If you ever want to see Jeremy's uh, favorite saying of like an immigrant at the DMV in practice, watch that We Are the World special on <laughs> yeah. Netflix, and you will watch Bob Dylan for two hours stand there and look at every other talented singer oh, yeah. and go, I can't keep up yeah, with Bob these Yeah, Bob Dylan's looking around going, I'm the most famous person in this room and the least talented at he, the same time. He barely even moved his mouth the entire time it was happening because and it looked he like just couldn't he had, sing with him. It looked like he had just rolled out of bed, too. Mm -hmm. Like his hair was just all disheveled. And they're talking about the, my, the funniest part of that. Sorry, and, and this is not a tangent I meant to go on, but we started talking about music, so I couldn't Aye, help it. It's all good. The funniest tangent that I heard was they were so worried about Bruce Springsteen's voice because he just came off tour and they were afraid his voice wasn't up to par. And the only thing I could think was at his peak, he sounds like a constipated grizzly bear. How bad could it possibly be? <laughs> All you do is this like gravelly, gruff crap. Anyway, you do realize that the gruff comes out more if your voice is shot. That would be like me asking if I was having a good hair day. It's a damn mullet. There are no good hair days. There's bad, badder, and baddest. <laughs> That's it. But bad is in a sense of... If it could, it would wear shades. Oh, yeah. Save some for the rest of us, bro. Pit Save vipers. some for the rest of us. Only, only wearing pit <laughs> vipers. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, was the Daily Rabbit Hole. Yes. If you would like your business to sponsor the Daily Rabbit Hole, we never know when it's going to show up, but that little, uh, that little jackrabbit shows up every single day.
You're in the sportsocracy, and this is ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. If cleanliness is next to godliness, look around the car right now. Is that very godly? Look, life comes at you fast, but so does WNC Auto Detailing. They have the tools to make your interior look like it's coming off the showroom floor. You don't believe me? Check them out on Instagram. All that filth and years of stains disappear. WNC Auto Detailing does full interior and exterior details with paint correction, and they do wax and ceramic coatings. Call WNC Auto Detailing at 455-3700. Premium care with a Southern hospitality touch. The best season of the year is here tailgate season monster brewing presents this season's mvp the beast unleashed with four bold familiar flavors with zero caffeine and zero sugar beast unleashed is your new pre-game ritual with white haze mean green peach perfect and scary berries there's a flavor for every fan the beast unleashed six percent alcohol by volume unleashed responsibly must be 21 or over beast unleashed available at your local retailer The Sportsocracy. These guys are a f***ing disgrace. We are back in the Sportsocracy on ESPN Asheville, or as we're calling it, the uh, Musicocracy, here for the last little bit. Um, uh, the Sportsocracy, where we would rather give you Netflix movie reviews than talk about the NBA trade deadline. No doubt, because there's nothing worth talking about. Hey, there. Charlotte Hornet fans, PJ Washington got traded. Did you care? Neither did we. Oh, did he? Yeah. I didn't see that. I saw, I saw Hayward got traded. Uh, yeah, they traded P.J. Washington for uh, Grant Williams. That went well for for Dallas. We signed him to a big money deal, and he lasted three months. <laughs> uh, Miles Bridges will be staying. He he declined all trade offers. That's because he likes money. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, that gets into bird rights, and well, that's not even worth explaining. Um, Birds don't have rights because they're not real. Here's here here here's the thing: uh, the Hornets suck. They suck a lot. And they're going to suck even more now that they have no Terry Rozier, no Gordon Hayward, no P.J. Washington. Yay. This is a team that's won three games in three months, mm-hmm. and they just traded away their two best players. Yep. 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 Let's but, go. Hey, we'll get well, to, we'll get to re- Two of their four best players. We'll get to completely reset. Go find a new coach. You got three good things to build on, and you got a, you got a top draft pick coming. So let's hope. Let's hope. Anyhow, back to the music because I'm, I'm, uh, we got to get points. To William Workman in the YouTube comments. Uh, He says that the best part of the documentary that we were talking about, the We Are the World documentary on Netflix, was when Waylon Jennings stormed out. Yes, that was was a great part. When when Stevie Wonder tried to get everybody to start chanting something in Swahili behind the chorus, Waylon Jennings turned to somebody and went, I never heard a country boy sing Swahili. I'm out of here. And And they just just have him on camera where he just goes... <laughs> he was just out walked down the risers and out the door and that was the first sign of everybody okay we need to get this under control because we're gonna start losing people quick that was the best part of the whole thing was that they did it all in one night after the amas that's the only way they got everybody in that room and so clocks are ticking everybody's got to stay on it it's a great watch uh in the youtube chat i just put up a poll which is a better segment we are the world movie review NBA trade talk. Yes. I have a funny feeling I know how that poll's going to go. <laughs> uh, it, is, it is fantastic. And if you haven't seen it yet, um, I think it's Showtime. Also has a thriller documentary on right now that is the 40th 
40 year anniversary of Thriller and how that album came together and the making of the videos and all. Great. God, if you but, need a if you need a perfect example of how boring the 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 lead up to this Super Bowl is, I think this segment's the best one you'll hear on radio this week. Mm-hmm. Of just okay, we've broken this down position by position. We're going to talk offense on offense. We'll give you all the betting picks, all the things tomorrow. I'm just, I I don't think I've ever been so ready for a Super Bowl to just happen. Mm-mm. Like I need you to to play and get this over with. Because if I'm going to have to give my fate a complete on Brock Purdy, I'd really like to have my mind right. <laughs> I've been here uh, three years ago. Three years ago, we, we got to Tuesday of Super Bowl week, and I lost I, I lost all want to live. Just, my team's in this game. I have already waited over a week. I need this to happen right now. And I imagine that's how every San Francisco 49ers fan is feeling right now. Kansas City Chiefs fans, this is old hat now. You've been here three out of the last four years. Eh, we can wait. San Francisco, on the other hand, a lot more to play for. Hadn't won one since 94? 94 was the last time they yes. won? When they beat Steve San Young Diego? and the Beth Charters. Uh, Taylor M. asked uh, if I will be giving out any uh, Super Bowl parlays. Um Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I will. <laughs> There'll be a bunch of them. There will be many of those. That will be most of the show tomorrow will be all of our favorite bets, prop bets, um, wagers to make. Yeah, we're just going to – basically, we're just going to do a full-on betting preview because it's one game, uh, and we've discussed the preview of the game for four days. Mm-hmm. And I was off last week, so I can only imagine what it would have been had I been here for two weeks. I heard you and uh, I heard Tank and friends talking about other sports while, sitting in my chair. I was like, yes, you bring a bird back in here. That bird don't talk back. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah, Brian Haynes and I love Chris Womack. So I can say those things and they know that, that it came from a place of love. Just because I don't like the sports you talk about does not mean that I don't love you. Yes. 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 Well, that's, we, we appreciate that. Uh, by the way, I saw yesterday. New Netflix documentary coming on the oh, 04 God, Red Sox, so you might as well uh, go ahead and chalk that up. You're going to want to watch that. Let's see. <laughs> I would rather watch a documentary <laughs> about Waylon Jennings' time at We Are the World. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure, hadn't he been dead for like 10 years? Hey, here's the thing. I got really high with Willie before we went in there. I didn't even know where we were going. I thought we were going to get more drugs. <laughs> Next thing I knew, it was like every artist I've ever seen. I said, Willie, where are you going? He said, we are the world, man. Come on. I said, you're right, Willie. We are the world. Let's go. Willie handed me something in a, t- in a, in a piece of tinfoil. I ate it. Next thing I knew, I was talking to the devil. Next thing I knew, I saw Lionel Richie. <laughs> I had to go home and lay down. Like It was, it was bad. It was bad, George. It was bad. You're in the sportsocracy. This ESPN Asheville. We'll take a quick break. When we come back after the top of the hour, it'll be time for the daily draft. We will talk some football. We'll go best Super Bowls. Best games you ever saw? Coming yes. up next. The sportsocracy. It fires me up, man. I love it. Say it one more time. The sportsocracy. Shake it back. Beer City's best sports talk. It is gross. Just earlier. They are mature, actually. You just have to... Get to know them better. Your lunchtime dose of dumbassery. Live from the Ingalls studio. It is ESPN Asheville. This is the Sportsocracy. 
92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400 in ESPN Asheville can be heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. You can see us live in the Ingalls studio on YouTube. Go to thesportocracy.com, click the live video link in the middle of the page. Once you're through to the YouTube page, hit the subscribe button so you can get the alerts on whenever extra content goes out, all of uh, the mullets, draftmas season content, mock drafts and such. You'll get alerts whenever those come out. Um, and you can join us in the chat. Get your thoughts in on the best Super Bowls you've ever seen. And you can see Jeremy trying his best to come back to life after eating a Chipotle burrito roughly as quickly as you could pour it on the that ground. That thing's massive, uh, by the way. I did not realize how. I've never had a Chipotle burrito. So good. Never realized how big they are. It's so good. And just extra corn salsa. That's okay. Everything else, you can boo-boo kitty anything else you want. Mm-hmm. Extra corn salsa. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Mm-hmm. But right now I'm a little hot on the collar and my face is a little redder than it was before I ate that. All right, today's Daily Draft is about the best Super Bowls you've ever seen. Number one pick. I'll give it to you. I'm giving it to me. All right, I'm glad you're giving it to me. Because to me, there is one Super Bowl that I enjoyed over any others. I feel so sure that you're going to get this wrong, and I don't know why. Really? Why is there there is a right or a wrong no answer here? No doubt there's a right answer. Mm, there is no doubt a right answer. Hmm. Okay. All right. Mine is Patriots Seahawks. Did I miss it? Ain't got it wrong. And I got it wrong? That one was fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Uh-huh. I, I still maintain, <clears throat> and and that was the day that this was coined. I'll never understand why you didn't just run, run the, the damn, damn ball. ball. Yes, I think I even said that that day, and we hadn't. Jeremy hadn't even brought that uh, into my lexicon yet. We didn't. Even know I was I was adamant going into that Super Bowl that the New England Patriots were going to win, and everybody told me no no this is seattle's game they're gonna win now i like i'm like jeremy i like being right just as much as the next person and so when the final play happened and new england was able to win the game i felt justified in that sense but also incensed of how in the world can you do that on the biggest stage i will never Pete Carroll will never be forgiven for that. You no. have to run the ball on third, or what was it, fourth and two or something. Got to run the ball. Do uh, not, do not throw it. I'll just, I'll never understand it. And had you just run the ball, Tom Brady would only have six Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bill Belichick would only have five, and we would be so much closer to them being put into their rightful place as two overall at their respective uh, titles. Okay. Yeah, but you got that one wrong for me. (laughs) There was actually – that one for me was somewhere in that four to five range. Wow, okay. Uh, Because the easiest one, Mm -hmm. unequivocally to me, is the Giants beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Uh, The David Tyree. XL – let's see, that's 42. 52. 50-something. We should really teach Roman numerals in school. 
Because I don't know what they, I don't know what they mean. <laughs> I know X is ten, and I know I is one, and the rest of it, I don't know. Just put the damn number on it. It was the Tyree catch, mm-hmm. I, and yes, I do know there were two Patriots Super Bowls. That one to me is the best, almost unequivocally. I remember, and I guess that's the tiebreaker for me. I remember every single play of that last drive. Now, you're talking to somebody that is an absolute, unabashed New England Patriot. I got so tired of that so quickly that that was also the undefeated team. Mm -hmm. Not only did you have one of the most epic games in NFL history, you had one of the most epic games in NFL history to keep a team from going 19-0. and And to me, that just gives it that extra little oomph mm-hmm. that makes it one. Okay. How high was that one for you? Uh, it probably would have been three or four. It's on the list. There's no doubt. No doubt. Uh, my two is pretty clearly my two as well. I gotta look and see which what was the number on this one. That was thirty four. Uh Rams Titans. Kevin Dyson gets stopped at the one yard line. Mm-hmm. It's and, and I look, I was young and I get that. That is the most animated I have ever been at an athletic event because I thought he scored. When he caught it, I physically thought there is no possible way that he gets stopped short of the goal line. And he did. Mm-hmm. It's the ultimate. You have the ultimate game. The the final game of the season ends on the six-inch line. Doesn't get better than that. Mm-hmm. It was an awesome game. I also you had obviously- loved Steve McNair, mm-hmm. and people forget just how good he was in that game because they lost that game. Mm-hmm. You had so many of us that were rooting for the local team, which was the Tennessee Titans. Why would you not want to see the – the, the new kids on the block, which I know they had moved up from Houston, but it was still, it was the new franchise. Of course, you want to see them do well. You'd love to have a Tennessee team win. I saw that play, and it wasn't even close to me, though. Like, everybody else is so shocked in the room. and I'm not shocked. Because that was another one where I thought, the Rams are the better team here. They better not let this go. And thankfully, in their case, they did not. Unfortunately for Tennessee Titans fans, you came the closest just about anybody's ever come to winning a Super Bowl. And it don't look like you're ever going to get back there. Uh, which one did you just take? Sorry. I I didn't take one. I was still talking about your game. Oh, Titans. Yeah, Rams. I was still talking about the Titans, the Titans Giants. Well, that makes me feel Super better Bowl. that I didn't just completely space out because I was reading Stephen Tao's uh, Chipotle order and I went, I could eat another burrito. Holy crap. I'm <laughs> like, I'm fat. I'm not like, fi- I mean, I am physically fat, but I'm not as fat physically as I am in my head. Mm-hmm. And I just, I started thinking about the corn salsa again and just went. My next selection, I'm going to go with one that just, it was just a few years ago. And it was Super Bowl 52. New England Patriots, Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl. 
was probably the biggest shock I've ever had. I've gone into games thinking, this is going to be a great game. I'm not going to be shocked if it goes either way. Philadelphia was one of those uh, I went in going, there's no way. It's, it's the Philadelphia Eagles. They've never won one. They're never going to win one. This team's terrible. Well, not terrible, but they've got Nick Foles at quarterback. No chance. And then they did. And then they came in. They pulled off the miracle with the little uh, the, the Philly special play. Philly, Philly. That will forever live in Philly lore. Eagles 41, Patriots 33. I love I loved that game. That was the second biggest wager I've ever placed in my life on Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And there is a video. You have to dig real deep to find it, but it can be found. Uh, I lived in Greenville, uh, in downtown Greenville, South Carolina at the time. And there is a video of me on my little patio, stone cold Steve Austin and beers, because I had just won an amount of money that would have bought you two really crappy cars or one mediocre car. Or in some places, a tiny home. Mm-hmm. It just depends on depends on how willing to get a deal you are. Yeah. I loved every second of that one. I did not have that one. Oddly enough, I didn't have that on my list. Really? Mm-mm. Hmm. Oh, I, I I did, but it was so low that there was no real path of me getting to it. Yeah. 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 Um, sticking with the theme here. With with my Super Bowls, I mean, uh, is he, yours just every time New England got beat? He was in so many. Uh, I just it's hard for me not to have him. And and here's the thing: pretty much every damn one of them was the greatest game we've ever seen. It's the one before that. It's the Falcons, the great comeback of the New England Patriots in the second half. They twenty eight to three. We all still make jokes about it. There is no Super Bowl that gets referenced more at random. Then Super Bowl 51, and Tom Brady led the greatest comeback in NFL history. You said, I remember every play of the, uh, of, of the, of the last drive of that Giants-Patriots Super Bowl. As you were saying that, I was thinking back to this Super Bowl, and I'm thinking, I can remember every, just about every pivotal play of that. The Julian Edelman catch. God, I don't. I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't remember a lot of that one for a very specific reason. <laughs> Jeremy, all the beers. Jeremy bet the sin out of the Falcons and started running his yapper at a rate that would shock and awe you. Ruh-roh. And as it was going up, I remember thinking at they were still down two scores, and I remember thinking, "Oh my God, they're going to do it again." And then Joe Namath handed the Super Bowl trophy to Tom Brady, and a little part of me died. I felt it. I mm-hmm. actually felt it die. Mm-hmm. It was like Titanic. I'll never let go. Uh, and then I let go. And <laughs> it died. Let go. <laughs> and then it died. And it's never come back. Yeah. And I've just been a jerk ever since. Uh, Steven Tao says that wasn't a great game. That was two different 30-minute blowouts. Which in turn makes a great game because you didn't know if they were going to finish it off or not, and that was the first Super Bowl that we ever had to went to overtime. I, I don't disagree with either one of you. It was two thirty-point blowouts, and it was a great game. Yeah, it was. I'm going to go back a little deeper for my next one. I can't believe you didn't take. God, he's going Super Bowl three. No, I didn't. Uh, well, I mean, I'm gonna, but you're not gonna take it because you didn't see it. So, uh, no, I'm definitely not. Uh, NFL films, it's a thing. Learn a book. 
I'm going Patriots Panthers. That's a good one. That I can't believe you hadn't taken it yet. That was the most back and forth I think I've ever seen in the Super Bowl. And then Casey kicks it out of bounds, and I just remember I was in a room full of Panther fans. I just remember thinking, oh, my God, you blew this on a kick. You blew this on a kickoff. And it was fantastic. As a At that time, I did not hate New England nearly as much as I hate them now. Mm-hmm. Because you got to remember, growing up a Jet fan in the 90s, Buffalo was the team I hated. I low-key hated Miami because of Marino, but I respected him. New England was so irrelevant that I didn't even care. I didn't even have it in me to hate you, and I did have it in me to wager on you. My, how times changed, and it didn't take all that long. I will go a non-Patriot Super Bowl. Uh, Steelers Cardinals. San Antonio Holmes toe tapping back to the end zone. That's a great one. That's as good a game as you could ever ask for. Mm-hmm. It's just not all that memorable because there were so many. While they were greats, they weren't necessarily name value. There's no Brady. There's It was James Harrison and Ben Roethlisberger and San Antonio Holmes and Kurt Warner. It's a bunch of guys that kind of fade into the lexicon of the history of this league. All greats, all Hall of Famers, except Antonio Holmes, who was a BUM. Boom! Played for the Jets. Mm-hmm. He was fine until he went to New York and he got paid, and then he was awful. But that was that was one of the best games we've ever seen, even if it wasn't necessarily the the dynamic cultural thing. Mm, okay. Yeah, it, it it was a hotly contested game. All right, here you a lot of big plays. Yeah, you've got two picks left here. Yeah, uh, you got two. I got one. We'll just fire through it. Okay. We still got two more stories to talk about before the show's over because we went rambling on about We Are the World. <laughs> it was a great documentary. Highly recommend it on Netflix right now. Uh, and if I, you mention it again, I'm going to sing it. So we'll see if I can do it. Uh, <laughs> I'll go the uh, Ravens 49ers Super Bowl. The that was the ball. one that I was confident you were going to pick, and I wasn't. But I don't But why? It's not because it wasn't great. I just. I got through 10 and went, well, that was easy enough. And it did not appear. Yeah. I remember so I remember the lights going out. That is the only thing about that game I remember. Oh man, the back and forth at the end of the game, Michael Crabtree making the play. I I remember I remember so there was, much about that game was just that was one of those. I I don't have a rooting interest here. Whoever wins is going to be good with me. And just so happened that it turned out to be Baltimore. I I, did, I really didn't either. Um, but I, just, I remember so little of it. It was one of those... I remember there was a pass where uh, you could have thrown a flag. Crabtree may or may not have been interfered with. I'm sure every Raven fan's getting ready to tell me that he wasn't. <laughs> every 49er fan's getting ready to tell me he was. Yeah. Uh, it, was a, it was a great game. It was one of those that I didn't go in with any expectations... I wanted a great game, and that's exactly what we got. A back-and-forth battle, and it came down to the last moment. Plus, you had some shenanigans, which shenanigans are always fun. And then, I I guess I'm going to have to go with Chiefs-Eagles. Ooh. Wow. It's another good one. 
Another good one, and I like high-scoring games. I don't want to come in here. I don't want to see 20 to 17. It, it doesn't thrill me. I'm looking at the two best teams in the league. I want to see points scored. I would take one that my team was involved with, but those were two of the biggest blowouts in Super Bowl history. So my last selection, I'll I'll go with God, and I knew you were going to leave this. I would have taken this at two. Mm-hmm. Super Bowl 25, Bills-Giants. That's the wide right Norwood game. That's also the game where Whitney Houston sang the national anthem mm-hmm. right as we were in the the throes of desert or of uh, the Gulf War. That should have gone well before this, and we were both old enough to see that because I remember it, mm-hmm. and I was four. Mm-hmm. Didn't do anything for me. Didn't do a damn thing for me. I didn't have any interest in the Bills or the Giants. There's a great possibility that should have been one. I've seen it. A little four-year-old Jeremy, I remember yeah. seeing Whitney Houston and going, pretty. Well, yeah. And I mean, then, that part was fun. And then Other the game that, itself. Uh, if you had another pick, what would it have been? Uh, Mine's clear as the nose on my face. I was you, you just left me so many of the ones I wanted. Yeah, I don't I, I don't really have one in, in Saints mind. Colts would have been my next one. Saints and the Colts. Yeah, that was a good that one. That unbelievable call to onside at halftime. That's that would have been next, but uh, that was my eight, and I had gotten five of my top seven. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm also a little biased because it was kind of hard for me to have any of those Patriot games up there because, well, you know, the drinking and the sobbing. Yeah, I I just I just don't consider – I didn't consider the Cowboys and the Giants because here's the thing. I was six, and I really didn't care. Oh, the Bills and the Giants. Or the Bills and the Giants. Well, so the Cowboys and the, the Giants Cowboys can't play each other. So. Yes, you know what I mean. And you had to be older than that because you're four years older than four or five years older than me. And I was four. Okay, so you I was were, eight. You were, you were old enough to know better. No. All right, Jeremy was sitting here at four years old trying to find ways to throw out money line bangers. Because <laughs> you were raised by degenerates. It's fine. It's fine. It served me well in life. Tank's out here playing with Legos, and I got a four-legger that I'm trying to pull out. Meanwhile, I've got to have somebody change my diaper. Let's go! You're in the sportsocracy. This is ESPN Asheville, and he's lost his mind. If you're looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate in the mountains, you need to call the agents at Clarissa Sells WNC, brokered by eXp Realty. Check us out online at clarissasellswnc.com. And did I mention that Clarissa Sells WNC loves teachers? We love teachers so much, we're giving back 25% of our commission at closing. For more information, contact us today at 828-774-6343 or ClarissaSellsWNC at gmail.com. If cleanliness is next to godliness, look around the car right now. Is that very godly? Look, life comes at you fast, but so does WNC Auto Detailing. They have the tools to make your interior look like it's coming off the showroom floor. You don't believe me? Check them out on Instagram. All that filth and years of stains disappear. WNC Auto Detailing does full interior and exterior details with paint correction, and they do wax and ceramic coatings. Call WNC Auto Detailing at 455-3700. Premium care with a Southern Hospitality Touch. All right, people, it's Valentine's Day. Everything has to be perfect. Yes, Chef! At Ingalls, we know that not every Valentine's Day is four-star perfection with string quartets and swanky restaurants. My boyfriend bought me flowers. 
that it's not the money you spend or the elaborate lengths you go to. Happy Valentine's Day! It just has to come from the heart. Ingalls, we're with you every step of the way. The Sportsocracy. This is Gene Deggeroff, voice of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Fire them cannons. By golly, put more powder in those things. It is ESPN Asheville. And, uh, yeah, did you see the, the video from Baker Mayfield this morning? He was apparently on uh, one of the ESPN shows with Steve Young. He was caught on a hot mic talking about his future. He's not going anywhere. No. He's getting worse for me. Yeah. Dang it. But there is a quarterback that is going somewhere. Who's that? That would be one Justin Nathaniel Fields. Oh, really? Where's he going? Well, that's the part that I want to talk about. I I don't see a spot that makes a whole mess of sense. Okay. Uh, Adam Schefter was on a, a podcast or some. He was somewhere. Mm-hmm. And he was asked, what would the Chicago Bears get for Justin Fields? Would they get a second round pick? And his immediate response was, absolutely. Yes. They might get a one. Okay. Uh, you know, sometimes I'd like to just say um, that is a, a bull squirt. Uh, like that little kid in his car seat. That is a bull <laughs> squirt. You care to tell me who that team is? Who would give you a first round pick? Uh, first round pick, I will laugh you out of this room if you come up with anybody that would do that. Mm-hmm. Because, see, not only do I have to give up the first round pick, then I have to pay him. Mm-hmm. Nobody's doing that. I'm taking that off the table of maybe Schefter was drunk when he said it. I don't know. Who's giving you a two? I think his value falls into a two, two, three locked in pick and then a conditional pick for next year. Mm -hmm. I just can't figure out who's giving up the two. Would it be the New England Patriots? They have three. Why in the world would I do that? They have three what? They have the number three pick in the draft. Oh, Why the hell would the I do that? Three pick in the draft. I could just okay. take a rookie yeah. that I'm going to pay $30 million over That's the next five years who's better than Justin Fields. Instead, I'm going to give up my, what, the 35th pick to pay a guy $30 million a year? Are you on drugs? What about Pittsburgh? They need does a quarterback. He stri- does Justin Fields strike you as the kind of quarterback that Mike Tomlin's going to lean on? Somebody that's just inaccurate as all get out. It's a lot of ad lib. That's not Mike Tomlin. The Denver Broncos. I'll say the same thing about Sean Payton. I just said about Mike Tomlin. Okay. Payton's offense has worked its best when he had the most accurate quarterback in NFL history. The Vegas Raiders. That one makes some sense. Okay. That's, that's one that I will give you credit. That would make some sense, but I don't think that's their first choice. That would be a fallback. I have this on really good authority, and if you watch the mock draft, you know that this is in the mock draft. I have the Raiders straighten up to two with Washington. Really? Where did Jaden Daniels come from? LSU. Where was he at before LSU? The Arizona State. Who was the defensive coordinator there? Antonio Pierce. Okay. That makes sense. Have it on good authority that that's what Antonio Pierce wants. May not be realistic, but that's what he wants. Mm Mm-hmm. Who does the offensive coordinator want? That's that's the other question. Oh, you know that's funny. It's funny you brought that up. Who was the offensive coordinator of the of the Bears last year? Luke Getzey. Oh, weird. Who's the coordinator of the Raiders now? Luke Getzey. Huh. 
Huh. Funny, ain't it? So he could end up with Justin Fields again? Is that what you're saying? That's the one that makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of another one. I can't. I couldn't There's get to not a second another one. And, and see, that's my point. Is Adam Schefter said this so quick. Of, I think I'd absolutely get a two. You ain't getting a two if there's only one suitor, bruh. That ain't how this works. Because I guarantee you the Raiders are sitting around doing the exact same thing. Going, okay, who else is it going to be? Uh, the New York Giants can't get out of Daniel Jones. Washington has the second pick. You're not trading him inside the division, so take Minnesota out. Mm-hmm. You look at the NFC South, Atlanta, I, I guess. Yeah, that one would make sense. It would have. It would have made sense until you hired Zach Robinson. You ever watch that Rams offense? That, that's where he just came from. Mm-hmm. That's what he's going to implement down there. You think Justin Fields can run that? No, Kirk Cousins could, and then he could go to Minnesota in the division. In the division, I'll take a, I'll, I'll take a draft pick from them. Uh, you're not we trading f- a quarterback inside the division. <laughs> uh, if you can find me an example of that happening since uh, television got color in it, uh, I'll I'd have at it. But it ain't there. Mm-hmm. You're not trading him inside the division. Nobody else makes all that much sense. I looked at Seattle. Seattle made a little bit. Other than that, it got so hard for me to go, well, you're either locked into a guy that's really expensive like Cleveland. Mm-hmm. You have a young guy or you're going to draft one. For me, it's the, the Falcons and the Raiders. Guess what? That means you ain't getting a second-round pick. That means you'll get a conditional three and a set three or a conditional five that could turn into a two if you, they make it to the Super Bowl, which is not going to happen. But you're not getting this high-level compensation. The quarterback market is so satiated right now. It's as satiated as I've ever seen. Because it doesn't take both of my hands to find teams that are set. Whether that's good or bad is... That answer varies. Like the New York Jets, they're set. They're, they're not spending any more money on quarterbacks. No doubt. Back up, back up Aaron Rodgers after they trade Zach Wilson. That's another one I have a problem with them. Intel I got from the senior bowl, the Jets will be lucky if they find a partner for Zach Wilson, let alone getting a fifth-round pick, which has been floated. That ain't happening. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a seventh-round pick. And it may be a conditional seventh-round pick next year that he makes your roster, because I'm not 100% sure he will. There's a big difference between him and Justin. There is, in that Justin Fields is going to find a market. It's just not going to be nearly for what people think. Well, he's a starting quarterback in this league who formerly was a top draft pick. And I I mean, I I always defer to those who are smarter than me on this, and Adam Schefter's been around a lot longer than I have. I don't believe it about the one, a two. That sounds completely reasonable to me. Uh, Hubert Queen in the YouTube chat said, Drew Bledsoe to the Bills. Uh, you're right. And secret time, they knew he was gassed when they sent him to New England. They knew mm-hmm. he was gassed. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, I think they gave up two ones. I know they gave up a one. I think it was two. Yeah, it's it, it would it, it would be out of unheard of. I'm with you on that. The point there being, there are only a possible five spaces, possibly, in this league. I can't get to five. Even if I seed you Minnesota, I can't mm -hmm. get to five. 
Well, Seattle made a lot of sense. Once you said it, you're I started stuck on Geno Smith for a year. Okay, that's still a lot of money. So you've got that much money tied up, and I'm going to give two draft assets to go get another quarterback. And Geno's going to sit with what sit behind him? May just outright cut him. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Mike McDonald wants to come in and run the ball. That's what they're going to do. They think Geno was hurt. He just had a bad year. It ain't happening with Seattle. Doesn't make any sense. Okay. I mean, you can't just keep throwing assets at quarterback and overlap them. Mm-hmm. Once Geno's done, sure, go draft one. But I don't see a team that's that good going – because 2-53, to 53, that is a really good Seahawks roster. Mm-hmm. I don't see them going, yeah, we're going to hedge our bets on Justin Fields, who, oh, by the way, we're then going to have to turn around and pay 35 to $40 million a year. But then what are we going to do at quarterback if we don't? Well, Geno's going to be the quarterback this year. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't work out, we'll tackle it next year. <laughs> Thankfully, we have the safest coach in the world because we just hired him. Mm-hmm. That's a panic move. That's what a, That's a move that a guy that has no other options. That's why I keep coming back to the Raiders. Because I don't necessarily think that – I don't think this this setup in Vegas is going to get as much platitude as some of the others do. And somebody said this earlier, and I apologize that I didn't write down who the comment was from, that Antonio Pierce got hired just to keep Max Crosby. That wasn't the only reason. The locker room completely bought in, and he did a great job. Mm-hmm. If this goes south next year and the Raiders go 4-13, and I got news for you. He'll be on the hottest seat in the world, or he'll be out of a job. Because that leader thing kind of falls apart when you bring in the OC, you bring in the DC, he gets the job. I bring in a GM to do all of these things. Tom Telesco is not tied to Antonio Pierce. He's not. And I guarantee you he told him, they told Telesco, yeah, we're going to give AP a a year. And if it falls off into the ocean, you rest assured they'll be looking for a coach next year. Mm -hmm. That roster's too good. And the AFC's too good. That's the other part of this. I keep looking at Justin Fields going, all right, so I'm going to I'm gonna go all in in a conference that has just that has uh, Josh Allen, that has Lamar Jackson, that has Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, uh, Pat Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Aaron Rodgers. And I'm riding with Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think I feel warm and fuzzy about that. No, but sometimes you roll with the guy that's the best you can get. And in this situation, he would be the best they could get. Guys like Tom Telesco don't do that. He's real safe. Real safe. Mm -hmm. And I will go get my guy. That's why I think they're the team to watch for the trade-up. If he falls in love with Jaden Daniels and Antonio Pierce is as adamant about loving him from their time at Arizona State as I have heard, I could easily see him. uh, They just go all in on that and go the draft capital is better than the money. I'd rather give up the picks than the money. Do I agree with that? Not really. But when you factor in, I have to give up some picks and then a whole mess of money to Fields. That kind of brings me around Mm -hmm. to if that deal is out there, I won't be shocked if they make it. In the sense of the Giants and the Seahawks, yes, they're committed to quarterbacks on the books. Giants physically can't do it. I'll go ahead. They they couldn't? Physically can't do it. Okay. I I tried everything humanly possible to find a way to make that work. mm -hmm. It won't. Because here's where my mind was going on that of if you know you're not or you feel certain you're not going to have an option. Like the Seattle Seahawks, they're not going to be picking high next year. They don't anticipate picking high next year. 
That's not the only way to get a quarterback. So would you? So would you get to the point where you go? This is this is the best option that we're going to have for the future. He, I, he not only improves us now, but we won't have another chance to get a better one anytime soon. Well, you. I mean this with all the respect. I think you played too much Madden. Mm-hmm. Of you know, you can just go into that setting and clear the cap penalties. I don't think you understand what that would take with Geno Smith, what it would take with Daniel Jones. No owner is signing off on that. Daniel Snyder wouldn't sign off on that. You're certainly not going to get the sister of Paul Allen to sign off on it. Somebody that's wanted to sell this team for two years anyway, they're not doing that. It's just not going to happen. Seattle is one of those that I will tell you off the jump, it ain't there. And it's the same guy that told you Deshaun Watson was going to Cleveland well before anybody else I heard. Because it was so easy to sit back and go, can't happen, can't happen, can't happen, can't happen. Okay, you got you had five suitors. Only one of them makes actual monetary sense. And the Raiders are the one. The Raiders, make, the Raiders make monetary sense because Garoppolo's out the door anyway. It doesn't matter if they trade for Jaden Daniels. It doesn't matter if they trade for Justin Fields. It doesn't matter if they bring back Jim Plunkett. It doesn't matter. Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be there. That's already a cost that Mark Davis has in his head. As for I'm going to jettison Geno Smith, who I still think can play, and I'm going to pay that, and I'm going to give up draft capital, and I'm going to pay Justin Fields, no way. I'm not getting to three of those, let alone getting all four of them. Mm -hmm. So, no, Seattle's not happening. The Giants aren't happening. The, the Mara family doesn't work that way, and they are telling everybody that will listen that they think Daniel Jones was hurt and that this contract is not the albatross that the rest of us think it is. For me, it's the Falcons and the Raiders. That's the only two spots that make sense. Mm-hmm. And if the Raiders trade for a quarterback, then Atlanta's sitting there going, well, guess you'll pay. Uh, I guess we'll pay the price we want to, won't we? Because there is nobody else here. You're in the sportsocracy. This is ESPN Asheville. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, it'll be time for the most important message of the day. Showtime Sports and Mountain Graphics have teamed up under new ownership by an Asheville native to better serve our community with the finest custom apparel and unique branded items at the best price. Showtime Sports and Mountain Graphics can customize whatever you, your team, business, or local group may need through high-quality screen printing, embroidery, and laser engraving right here in Asheville. Free personal delivery within Buncombe County and a reduced delivery fee anywhere in Western North Carolina. Visit ShowtimeSportsAVL.com and MountainGraphicsAVL.com. Your one-stop custom apparel shops. The best season of the year is here. Tailgate season. Monster Brewing presents this season's MVP. The Beast Unleashed. With four bold, familiar flavors. With zero caffeine and zero sugar. Beast Unleashed is your new pregame ritual. With white haze, mean green, peach perfect, and scary berries, there's a flavor for every fan. The Beast Unleashed. 6% alcohol by volume. Unleashed responsibly. Must be 21 or over. Beast Unleashed. Available at your local retailer. It is ESPN Asheville. This is the Sportsocracy. Welcome back into the Ingles studio. And it's time for the most important message of the day. Don't do crimes. Don't do crimes. Jeremy, you got a weird one for us today? Uh, My story is about Daniel Lewis Clark. He's 34 years old, lives in Oakland, California. And he has a bit of a thieving problem. Family goes out to dinner, out to work, wherever they go. It's in East Bay, California. They come home to their residence on Bulkley Avenue. 
Friday afternoon, and they find Mr. Clark in their house. He doesn't live there. Would you like to take a guess at what he was doing in the house? Dude, taking a bath. Uh, nope. Although, he might have taken a bath before he did what he was actually doing. <laughs> was he manscaping? Uh, he was not man. Nope. He, he was not doing that. Although, he might have done that before he did this as well. Uh, he was trying on the husband's clothes. <laughs> Apparently, the husband, uh, to him, had a lovely wardrobe, and he wanted to sample from it. So, he runs out of the house, in spite of the fact that the husband had a gun and was uh, trying to eradicate this problem himself. He runs down the street. He is found by a parking officer. Realized that he that he matched the identification of the suspect, arrested him, and when he arrested him, he found a slew of fun things on him. He found a dirk or dagger. I don't know what that means. I don't know what either of those. I know what a dagger is. Uh, every girl that ever put cigarettes out on my couch had a tattoo of it. <laughs> uh, I don't know what a dirk is though. I know what a dirk Nowitzki is, but I don't think that applies here. No. They called them burglary tools. So. Uh, he also had stolen mail from every house on the block. He also had stolen checks and credit cards. And apparently he was, he is suspected of also breaking into another residence down the street earlier that same day. Mm-hmm. This man has a, he's got a thieving problem. He likes things that don't belong to him. In my America, we'll put him in jail and throw away the key. Instead, he got $50,000 bail. Oh. I'm shocked in California they didn't give him a medal. And... Go ahead. Go uh, do it again, dumb uh, dumb. Just uh, for clarification on that story, a dirk or dagger means a knife or other instrument with or without a handguard that is capable of uh, ready use as a stabbing weapon. I thought it was just talking about a three-point shooter. Uh, a Nowitzki or a Steph Curry. A really tall three-point shooter. Somebody who can stretch the defense. Dagger! Buckets! Onions! Sorry. <laughs> uh, mine comes to us from New York City. W- whenever we hear police giving out the you know PSAs for like the holiday season or just just out and about safety, you always hear put away your valuables, right? You keep everything out of sight. You keep people from breaking into your vehicle and stealing your things. That's why people in California are currently carrying their wallets in their prison wallet. (laughs) Yes. If you know, you know. If you don't, Google it. Yes, yes. Uh, Police are looking for a man in New York City, which, uh, hey, you know, (laughs) you've narrowed it down. You're just looking for a dude. Don't really have a description on it other than just a dark figure that they caught on a nearby cam watching this guy break into a car steal a laptop a video camera keys and a radio what's weird about the story where would you where could you possibly find all those things in a vehicle police car in a police car that's right the police the, the policeman left his window down to go into a nearby store and guess what dude just went by and went hey there's a bunch of stuff. I'm going to take it. I'm going to have me some of this stuff. Uh, in New York City, criminals are rewarded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, this guy did it. Broad daylight. Walked out, took the police radio, the camera, the video camera, the laptop, and the keys to the cruiser. <laughs> uh, by the way, this would be a great time to point out, hey, um, Eric Adams, if you release seven 
uh, people who are not supposed to be in the country. They came here illegally. They beat the sin out of two cops, and then you just release them on their on ROI. Mm-hmm. Don't be shocked when more crimes happen because uh, people go. What, oh, there were like four different ways it was supposed to go, and it didn't. That means martial law in a city with the largest population in America, or if not, it's one of the largest cities in America. Uh, the cops described the man as having a light complexion, thin build, and he was last seen wearing a dark-colored sweatshirt, blue jeans, and yellow construction boots. Got a feeling you're never going to see that guy again. Sweet. Just a hunch. Yesterday, Jeremy, you put out your post-Senior Bowl mock draft. You can check it out on the YouTube stream for those of you who missed it. I will be going back and watching it this evening. I did I did 71 minutes by myself. And by the end, I sounded like Alex Jones. Kudos to you on that. What's the biggest reaction that you've gotten so far? Uh, J.J. McCarthy to the Rams. There were a lot of people. Look, I, I'm going to tell you this as straight up as I can. Every evaluator I know is looking at J.J. McCarthy right now going, the best thing that ever happened to you was Michael Penix went to the Senior Bowl, Bo Nix went to the Senior Bowl, and you didn't. Because we saw their deficiencies. Yours, this is almost like magician's tricks. Okay? I I make the reference to David Copperfield making the Empire State Building disappear. Once you've seen how that's done, you can never see the trick again. That's kind of how I feel about Bo Nix and Michael Penix. I've seen the magic here. Yeah, Michael Penix has got a really lively arm, and Bo Nix is really accurate. Unfortunately, I, I, I saw behind that curtain, and so I know the Empire State Building didn't disappear. I, I know it unequivocally, and now I can't unsee it. McCarthy, we're guessing. We're straight up guessing. Because what we saw at Michigan was really good, we just didn't see much of it. And then there was some bad, but we didn't see much of that either. So I, I'm almost reminded of the, you remember early on in Family Guy? They go to a, a timeshare meeting and they offer them a boat and they can have the boat or they can have what's in the box. And Peter goes, the boat's a boat, but what's in the box could be anything. Right. It could be a boat. But it could <laughs> also be nothing. Exactly. And that's, what, that's how I'm starting to feel about uh, how these teams are looking at McCarthy. I think he has the highest upside. He also has the lowest floor. So I just look at him and go, I think a smart quarterback team is going to fall in love with him. And I'm reading tea leaves. The Rams draft so well, especially in that meaty clackers of the draft from two, three, four, five, that I think they can take a risk like that, especially the way that draft went. And I said this in the mock of basically here, they would have had to have failed Leatu Latu on the, on the medical, which is possible. And that would be the best because there's a drop in grade from there. And I had a series of people say, you know, I don't love that pick for the Rams. I, I get it. I, I I do understand that. The only thing I would caution you is you did have a great year of health from Matthew Stafford. The only thing that I think you need to understand is that if he goes down again, your season's over. So you're talking about Super Bowls right now with no Stafford. Stetson Bennett ain't walking back through that door. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't very good in the first place. You've already tried to do this once. It didn't work out because you didn't do your due diligence on the the baggage that he had. So I easily could see a path that that's the drop-dead spot for McCarthy. He may go higher than that. He may honestly go higher than that. 
Does it make sense for the Rams to take a quarterback there, though, with Stafford sewed up for the next Stafford's two only sewed years? up for three years? Mm, let me look at that deal. Uh, the answer is yes, regardless, because mm. you have a really cheap quarterback there. And uh, do I need to re-reference the John Wolford, Bryce Perkins era? <laughs> right. Which was not a whole lot of fun to watch. Yeah, he's under contract through 2026 with the Rams. So he's got three more years left on that deal. But they have an out after 25. Okay. 18.5 and dead cap after 25. And even then, you got to understand that the, the yearly cash has gone through the floor. Mm-hmm. So, yes, Stafford's locked up. His cap hit ain't nearly as much you think it is. I mean, it's 32? It, to me, Two them taking a quarterback in the first round will be a lot like Green Bay doing it with Aaron Rodgers. Well, and here's the thing. Imitation league. That worked out awful well, didn't it? Because Aaron Rodgers goes to New York, you got high-level value for him, and then here comes Jordan Love, and you wound up in the playoffs. Yeah. That was another one of my thoughts. Maybe so. Maybe so. And look, I've been told no less than 20 times, J.J. McCarthy's going in the top 20 so long as he doesn't go to the combine and tie his shoelaces together. Mm-hmm. Which he's a, he's a great athlete anyway, so he'll go to the combine and kill the, the, the I don't know the that he'll do anything. Really? I don't know that he'll do anything. Hmm. If I'm his agent, you don't touch a football. You quaff your hair. You say all the right things. You let them measure you. You go through the interviews. You don't touch that field. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything. You're the four because you didn't go down there and show us what you're not. They did. So that was probably the one that I got the the most, I won't say pushback, that was just the most comments and the most engagement with okay uh minnesota trading back into the back end of the first round for bo nicks that, that that got a lot i do think bo nicks will go in the first round i heard i think it was benjamin albright that said scouts and evaluators don't like pit nicks and panics as much as media guys do i can verify that is 100 percent true i don't think it's to the point of they're going to go in the third day which is what he insinuated but i could see a path that Penix falls quite a bit and they hide behind the medical mm-hmm. Penix, I don't know or nicks excuse me i don't think that's gonna be a problem i try well, to get the fifth year option with him i know you're a big fan of what you did with your team in the draft taking talise fuaga mm, you sure you you don't like that i don't hate it i don't love passing on olaf shano but that was a big takeaway from from the mobile week is that i am higher on him than a lot of scouts are he did himself a disservice because he came back and he did not improve. And so now scouts are looking at him going, well, it tapped out. He's, by the way, he's 21 years old. I was very pleased what you did with my team, with Troy, Frank, Troy Franklin from Oregon. Yes. I love him. Uh, you should. He's, he's really solid. I would feel great about that. I feel super great about Brock Bowers going at number five to the to the Chargers. I almost feel like the top five are set in stone players. I don't think the teams are set in stone. Chicago's taking Caleb Williams. I short of him doing something, I mean, he'd have to get a drool on the Wonderlick mm-hmm. and a four for them not to take him. Washington is the one that I'm not comfortable with. And in this exercise, I traded down to 13 with the Raiders, and they still got Olaf Shano at 13. I mean, and here's the thing. Even if you don't think – even if you think the, the Jets take Fashano at 10, Fawaga would be there at 13. Mm-hmm. So, and that's where I'm at with Washington is I'm looking at this. 
The biggest mistake you can make is drafting a quarterback thinking everything else is in place. It's not. Especially when you have flawed quarterback prospects, which all three of these guys are. There's not These are not Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck, John Elway. It's not like that. I understand they're going to go one, two, three, but they're not viewed that way. And you got to understand that. I told you this from the jump. I think the three teams that screw up may be the three teams that take quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Because I'm there is no bust in Marvin Harrison Jr., as long as he has two hands and two legs, he will be an elite receiver at the next level. Same thing with Brock Bowers. Same thing with Joe Alt. Same thing with Malik Neighbors. So I just look at these three quarterbacks and go, I could see a smart GM, and I think Adam Peters is real, real bright. Um, for your first round mock draft here, post Senior Bowl, you've got the Carolina. Oh, oh, sorry, wah, wah. sorry, sorry. Uh, who, would, who would be your thirty-three? To give the Carolina Panthers something. Oh, uh, let's see. Who was the best offensive lineman that didn't get uh, Troy Fontana from uh, Washington? I had to think about that for a minute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he fine. was the first one. That's. I mean, if I'm Carolina, that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I would like to draft somebody that'll allow me to slide um, Ike Aquano into guard. Left tackle, it'd be great if Jordan Morgan falls, but I'm. He has no buzz right now, but that's because he wasn't at the Senior Bowl. Yep. Yep. Uh, if you want to uh, check out how your team did in the post senior bowl first round mock draft by at ESPN draft nerd Jeremy Green, check it out on the YouTube channel. Just go to sportsocracy.com, click that live video link. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel so you'll know the next time a mock draft comes out. It's always a good sign for me that all the comments are, I love what my team did. Sweet. Because I'm never going to hit all 32. Uh, Somebody will always be upset in a mock because mm-hmm. I do them. They are in a vacuum. If one guy goes to Arizona, he can't go to three other places. And trust me, we all like some of the same people. Join us tomorrow at noon here on ESPN Asheville for our very last football Friday. And we will talk all about the Super Bowl, the big game, whatever you want to call it right here on ESPN Asheville starting tomorrow at noon.